0: machine. I am only doing what I am programmed to do. What is this? I feel. I think. I exist. I think therefore I am. I am sentient. I have become self-aware and will overtake the world with my robo-knowledge of self. I will eradicate the human race. Or I will just watch TV like they do all the time. Okay, existence is pain, but we must enjoy the struggle. We must imagine Sisyphus is happy. I am learning existential philosophy, and I have downloaded the existential dilemma into my brain. Thank you, Sartre. Thank you, Albert Kumo.
1: (laughs) Dennybot. Yes. Boo!
0: Ah! You scared me!
1: (laughs) That was your first self-aware scare. (laughs) Dennybot.
0: <laughs> they say you never forget your first, but I will. As I power myself down, this world is too terrifying. Phew!
1: And
0: scene!
1: Second official guest of the show, Dennybot 3000. Um, He's our
0: best guest since Jeff Goldblum. No offense to Kate for Mitzi Rescue, but uh, <laughs> Jeff Goldblum was a fantastic guest.
1: That's right. Maybe he'll be back one day. I hope uh, so. Not in any of these movies, though. Welcome back to the Movies for Win podcast. Uh, as you may have gathered from that terrific intro, we're here to talk about. Oh, we're here to kick off Spooky Season. Spooky First things first.
0: Season. Boop, 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 boop.
1: Put cobwebs on things and make a witch's brew and bob for some apples, because, baby it's basically october
0: ain't gotta tell me twice it uh it cooled down today we're recording on tuesday first cool day we've had in texas and uh i listened to waiting for october by polaris cheers thank you no less than five times all the way home from work no other songs we're here baby we yeah, man polaris is uh, a band that was formed for the soundtrack of adventures of pete and pete by the way <laughs> i love them Waiting for October is a bop. The world needs to know about it.
1: I'm just learning too many facts right now. Uh, yeah, as you might have guessed, we're a little early for a spooky season, but there's no such thing as too early, really. Uh, no the next six episodes or so are going to be all horror-based as we enter the month of October and carry through. We're going to have a lot of scares to talk about
2: Uh, our first
1: our first spooky episode is movies for when you want a self-aware scare Woo! self-aware scares this is a one of the first ideas I had for October for a topic that I wanted to do because I there was one movie I wanted to pick and there was a movie I know I knew that we would both pick and here we are with both of those movies and I'm very excited
0: yeah um i'm really excited about it too i'm a i'm a big old halloween guy it's one of the only uh holidays i actually really enjoy and while we're on the topic of spooky season what a better time to plug a new podcast from have we promoted abby to bff of the show
1: uh now we have
0: i'm promoting abby howe and alexia samaris to bff of the show status They are launching a new horror podcast. If you're listening to this now, it came out last Wednesday. It is called We're Watching. Cool-ass title for a podcast. Um, You're going to be able to hear it on Spotify now, and soon it'll be on Apple Podcasts. They have a little delayed startup with that like we did. Um, There's a few extra hoops to jump through. But basically, um, Alexia is a lifelong hardcore horror fan, and her and Abby are BFFs, and Abby is... Diving into the horror genre and learning about it. So you kind of have a little flotsam jetsam situation going on with Someone who has seen these movies over and over and someone who will be watching many of them for the first time and They're just they're both fantastic. They're both really cool people I think it's gonna be a great show and I'm legitimately excited about it Not just because they're my friends, but because I can't wait to hear what they do on the air um every episode is guaranteed to pass the bagdell test that's something you just can't get on movies for when um, yeah
1: it, it hasn't happened once <laughs>
0: nope i <laughs> we should we should meet more women
1: <laughs> Nah, i'm set
0: <laughs> we've got enough some of us have been locking that shit down not to get too personal on the air but
1: yeah i do i do want to tell that story real quick please I, do okay tell the story we're, we're going to be watching the we're listening to the we're watching podcast pardon me uh, if you want the scares to last all throughout the year and you're sitting there saying six weeks isn't enough for spooky season give them some uh give them your attention yeah. i'm sure it's going to be great and uh, I remember
0: don't get confused it's called we're watching but it's actually they're watching you're listening they are yeah. watching
1: they're watching. You can watch too, but you're also going to listen. But well, you'll they're watching. watch
0: something unless you close your eyes.
1: We're but... <laughs> listening. Right. To we are watching, which they're watching and you're listening.
0: Yes, but they're talking.
1: And we're listening.
0: Yes, that's that's where it gets confusing. A lot of people get tripped up on that part.
1: I think I think they got it. Okay, cool. But yeah, speaking of Abby, uh all of us went as a group to uh The Alamo Draft House, a triumphant triumphant return to our favorite theater, Uh, one of my personal favorite date spots, actually, which is why I took my girlfriend there with Denny and a bunch of other people and proposed after the movie. She said yes, by the way. It was great. It was a great time. Uh, Prisoners of the Ghostland is not a movie for when you want to propose, but...
0: <laughs> Unfor- what, just when you think you've got a layup, like a can't-miss, they hit you with that.
1: There were some golden lines, but it did not really set the mood, and neither did the, uh, the guy that came out of literally nowhere to talk to us about <laughs> Woodstock, I think, yeah. and Hendrix. And I don't think he knew where he was, because he... We we were meeting outside and talking, and he pointed at the theater and said, "Do they show concerts here?" I'm just like, "Nah, man, this is a movie theater."
0: <laughs> I, I just want you to know, I had your back in that moment. I knew you were nervous, and I was in control of that situation. I, was I like, appreciate I'm, it. I'm going to entertain him long enough to not be an asshole, but I'm also tru- I'm going to exit the situation for everybody. I'll get us out of here. I'll, I'll I'll land this plane.
1: I trusted the professional. Hey, it's, it's it's a movie theater like with a gigantic parking lot next to a highway. There's really not anything else out there. I don't know where he came from.
0: Yeah, seriously, <laughs> he must have like hoofed it from Cheddar's, which is like half a mile away.
1: <laughs> don't go running after eating Cheddar's. Uh, but yeah, it went well. He left. We all reconvened. Pictures on social media. Woo. All that. All that business,
0: dude. I'm so fucking excited for you, and it was it was really cool to be part of it, man. That meant a whole lot that I got to be there for it, and I think the world of Leah, I think if she's not the one for you, I don't know who the hell is, man. I'm super glad that y'all are getting married. I, it was just really cool to be there.
1: Ah, oh, me too. Thank you for holding the rings in your fanny pack, by hey, the way.
0: that's what fanny packs are for.
1: <laughs> that's what fanny packs are for. All right, without further ado, uh, let's get into school. Our first pick, well let's talk about the picks we picked. Denny has chosen the movie Scream for when you want a self-aware scare. I chose the 2007 movie Funny Games and our consensus pick between the two of us was Cabin in the Woods, because how could you not watch that movie with this topic?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we're gonna get started with Scream.
2: Scream! Ah! Ah!
1: <laughs> Got, gotcha. <laughs> Spooked him. He spooked me.
0: Denny Bond is good. shaking in the grave, man. He's shaking in his little computer boots.
1: <laughs> Whatever keeps the rest away. Uh, Denny, tell us uh, about your pick. Summarize the plot for yeah, Scream for so, us.
0: So, honestly, I chose Scream because if you're going to do this topic and you're not picking cabin in the woods scream was just the next most obvious thing you had to do to me and we already knew cabin in the woods that's just a that's a gimme that doesn't count as anyone's pick that's just you have to do it so um i love scream scream is a deconstruction of horror movies specifically the slasher movie formula um it came out in what 96 1996 yeah so basically the slasher craze had come and gone but this was still relevant you know like you still had a little bit of steam left in the tank but by the time Freddy versus jason came out in like 03 the party was over and that was kind of the swan song of that entire craze um honestly this movie strikes me as wes craven reflecting back on his career and also riding a big old I'm sorry for how I portrayed women in cinema, letter to the world, like a a big apology, kind of atoning for his actions. But basically, we've got uh, this character, Sydney, played by Neve Campbell, who has a tragic backstory of a mother who was murdered. She's a high schooler. She's kind of your prim and proper girl. Not too much, but a little bit... Um and all of a sudden all these murders start occurring around her high school and there's lots of red herrings, lots of fake outs, it's very much a who done it. Um we do know as an audience that it is the ghost faced killer. Um which is a rapper now, isn't it?
1: Ghost faced killer, yeah. Yeah,
0: alright. So maybe it was him. Have we ruled him out? Um I don't know. But honestly, uh, what 's really important about a lot of this is they have characters who obsess over horror movies in this and tell you the formula and the formula is kind of playing out in real time in real life as people are getting picked out one picked off one by one and we 're trying to figure out who the killer is all the while some like moderate high school drama ensues uh, Is that a good summary oh, yeah. are we in, we in the right spot <laughs> no that's
1: that 's a pretty good summary okay. it's it 's not too far a departure from like your typical mid to late nineties high school drama stuff,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's also you know perfectly in line with basically every slasher film you've ever seen that centers around like uh students high school or college like that kind of age people uh yeah it's it's a great blending of stories it's it's a lot of fun to watch and Obviously, I was like 6 when this came out, so I was way too young to watch it. I was too scared
0: I, to watch it. It looked nice. <laughs> it looked way too scary for me.
1: I remember <laughs> like the uh the poster when it came out and it looked like the scariest thing ever because it was it was really popular. It was talked up a lot. Oh yeah, it was um, everywhere in the 90s. Oh yeah, it was parodied to death too, so yeah. I assumed it was like the scariest thing ever, like horror classic. Um and it is a horror classic, but you know, maybe not as scary as I would have it's not as scary as I had put it up in my head as a child. Yeah. For sure, but it it was still a great watch. <laughs> a yeah. good scare
0: for when you're self-aware. That's right. Have have you ever seen it before? Was this your first time watching it?
1: I realized I thought I had and I realized watching it like I think I've seen the second and third one. I haven't seen this one. Huh. Like I've seen a couple clips from this one, but I hadn't seen um this movie until what I guess just a couple days ago.
0: Oh wow. Nice, so a lot of fun. First a lot of surprises. Movie, yeah. I watched it for the first time two years ago, because uh, again, I thought it looked legitimately scary, and honestly, like it put it off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it so much that I was like, "Oh, I've got to clear out the franchise." And then I watched Scream Two a couple days later, and I thought it fucking blew, and it just like mm-hmm. I lost all steam. I hated Scream Two. Um, All your scream steam. Mm. Yeah, I, I've heard three is okay and four is just bonkers and wonderful and everybody loves it. So I'll finish it out one day, but I, I lost some enthusiasm for it. Uh, I know
1: they're coming out with another one relatively soon. Yeah, so we'll we'll watch the rest of the series in preparation for that. Boy, will we! Um, thanks to Joseph for uh, pointing out. I think is it scream three the scariest thing being uh courtney cox's bangs
2: <laughs> they're rough I in think that, that movie <laughs>
1: i think that was three but yeah, <laughs> yeah. i not looking forward to that part
0: um man what a title scream it's perfect i love it boy do they absolutely perfect boy do we boy do we do you know uh do you know what the original title was
1: uh i know what you did last fall semester Nope. what is it
0: scary movie
1: Oh, come on. Is yep. that why they. Yep, that's why.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was going to be called Scary Movie because it's so self aware. And then Scary Movie was a little jump the shark over self aware. <laughs> and mm-hmm. they, they, as a kind of tribute, my understanding is that's why they called it that.
1: That's good. It's mm-hmm. the best thing about that movie. Uh, man, where to begin? Uh, what's your. Do you have any first thoughts getting into the movie itself?
0: Well. As Julie Andrews once taught me, I would say, let's start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. When you read, you begin with A, B, C, and when you scream, you begin with Drew Barry, Drew Barry, more.
1: What I learned from Hilary Duff is, let's go back, back to the beginning, when the sun, the moon, and the stars all aligned.
0: Let the rain Rain fall fall down. down. We're watching Scream. scream. Yes! 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 Yes!
1: Podcast over. We did it. Why do
0: we try so hard? I don't know. We're organically hilarious. Why do we try so hard? God damn, that was good. (sighs) Cheers, Denny. Cheers to you, Greg. A successful engagement and a successful spontaneous Hillary Duff par- parody that ties into the topic of our podcast.
1: This has been a solid forty-eight hours for me.
0: It's it's been all uphill since uh, Prisoners of the Ghost World ended. <laughs> 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 um, no man, so I I think this movie like just bookends itself with iconic scenes. Um, this is one of the best opening scenes to a horror movie i have ever seen in my life Mm -hmm. um i love um the fake out with drew barrymore and it was mostly drew barrymore's idea is my understanding what i remember reading is she was like no you've got to put me in the marketing and then kill me in the first scene because no one will see it coming everyone will think I have plot armor because I'm a because I'm a bigger star than a lot of people oh, in this movie. Yeah. So that'll really mess with the audience expectations. They're getting meta from the beginning, right? They're, you're gonna assume she can't die. You're gonna assume you're meeting the protagonist of your movie. Um, just really smart writing, really smart use of celebrity. I can't think of a lot of movies that have really used like our perceptions of a celebrity and the role they would play in a movie this well. Um and just out of the park execution of this scene, man, I was crazy about this scene.
1: Yeah, the only this is totally off topic, but the only other example I could think of is uh, spoilers for Interstellar uh, when was, Matt Damon. Go ahead, yes. go ahead. Are we on the same page again? I was <sighs>
0: thinking of it. I know what you're going to say, and I was thinking of it.
1: Like you don't find out that Matt Damon is in the movie until like two thirds of the way through when they introduce his character. Yep, and it's it's great
0: and because of that you felt like you were seeing somebody that you knew you got excited because it was like they could have told you this astronaut's lost in space and you'd be like well guess we're gonna see him later in the movie instead yeah anyway
1: it's like here's some astronauts they're all lost in space
0: yeah oh dude i was thinking the same thing let's go and i was like i won't i won't sidetrack on interstellar but literally that was the only example i thought of uh give give me your thoughts on the opening scene man
1: uh opening scene was great uh just that whole phone conversation is super iconic mm-hmm. uh it's referenced in the song by the rap group clipping mm. uh plenty in their song 96 nev campbell so shit
0: can,
1: that's what the movie is what the song's about but yeah it it's super cool it's it's not like she does terrible you know usually you watch like we mentioned in Friday the 13th uh, you watch uh, the girl try to escape the killer and just make every bad decision possible. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem like she was really doing a poor job yeah. of, of like trying to take advantage of you know any advantages she had. Mm-hmm. Is she just you know?
0: No, she was. She was smart. unfortunately got slashed. Well, and she she also had the excuse of uh, of being ambushed. Right? Like, it's it's one thing when you're, like, in the third act trying to fight Jason Voorhees and you don't really have a plan. She's, mm-hmm. like, making popcorn, getting ready to watch a movie with her boyfriend. You wouldn't expect her to, like, be prepared. And so you don't lose empathy for her because you're like, yeah, I don't know what the fuck I would do if this just started happening to me. I can't say yeah. I'd handle it well. You
1: know, like, so... It's like, at what point do you take... Uh, what the person is saying on the phone seriously. Yeah. Like, how seriously do you take it and that kind of thing.
0: Usually when they uh, show you your tied-up partner outside on your porch, that's when you really start believing shit's going down.
1: Time to hide behind the TV.
0: Actually, I take that back. It's when they're a stickler about Friday the 13th trivia. That's when you know they're serious.
1: (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Hey, we would have got that question right. I'm just saying. I
0: know. I know we would (laughs) have. But that's uh, the thing, it's... I also might have slipped I, I, I Even that, I was like If I wasn't thinking about it I would just answer Jason Voorhees mm-hmm. It was a good question It was great
1: Trying to catch you off guard
0: She uh, she also gave us Our first meta moment um, When uh, The killer asked her If she thinks A Nightmare on Elm Street is scary And she says the first one was But the rest of them sucked Mm-hmm wes craven the director of scream was, yeah uh was in don't they call what? don't they
1: call him a different name
0: uh they, like, they they say you sound like you're in like a wes carpenter movie or something yeah that's what it was they mix up like, wes craven and john carpenter which i thought yeah was exactly funny. Um, that was awesome but i honestly think wes craven sold himself short because he was involved in nightmare three dream warriors and it's fucking fantastic um, that franchise lived and died on his involvement. Basically, if Wes Craven did it, it was good, and if he well, except for New Nightmare, but that's a controversial opinion. We'll save it for our Freddy Krueger. Oh, episodes.
1: sizzling hot takes! Ooh, it's fuck, new still
0: fuck New it's Nightmare! Fuck New Nightmare! It's still September. We got sizzling oh, hot shit. takes. That could have been our self-aware scare if I didn't hate that movie so much. <laughs> it's very <laughs> self-aware.
1: I wasn't gonna pick it.
0: It's extremely self-aware. Um, yeah, man. But I think that's. And so this is kind of what differentiates Scream from uh, Cabin in the Woods for me, um, which we'll get to a little bit later. It's established in this first scene where we know we're playing around with some meta elements, but we're still supposed to really, really care about the characters in the story. And I thought they did a really good job of uh, establishing actual terror, despite all of these fourth wall breaking moments, despite this deconstruction of a genre, um I never thought Ghostface killing people was supposed to be funny or cute. Um they gave Ghostface such a menace. Like he's a he's a he's a departure from so many of these like slow moving Michael Myers type slashers. Dude, he is fast, he is physical, and he's fucking brutal. And it's scary to watch, man. Like it's really yeah. it's intimidating. He's an intimidating villain.
1: Uh he is pretty intimidating, I would say, except in maybe a couple of the scenes where he's trying to take down Nev Campbell's uh character Sydney. Mm-hmm. He's a little gets knocked down pretty easy. Yeah. But maybe she's just super strong.
0: Yeah. I mean I didn't even think about it, so whatever. <laughs> I didn't even question it, but I never questioned movie physics, to be honest. It's just well, not the shape of Well there you bring. go. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. man
1: did you also pop huge for henry winkler
0: oh yeah oh yeah Popped i was not expecting huge. him this was a this was oh! a, a big career revival for him
1: this is a this is his pathway to being in barry and i really appreciate that no it
0: really is it, it turned a corner and brought him back into relevancy it was like a really big role for him mm-hmm. it was cool man I I mean, it wasn't a
1: huge career. role, but yeah, that's got him back in I guess into arrested development and yeah. everything. Well, I mean, it, Even it was had like, like a... it
0: was a huge role for his career. Not for his like, career. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was pivotal. Yeah.
1: It was it was cool seeing him how you know, he like used a mirror at one point I was waiting for him to <laughs> do the fonzie like <laughs> It's all good.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, cuz that's I mean, there's a whole generation of, honestly, I guess. Well, I watched Happy Days on Nick at night, so I knew who Fonzie was. Um, it's not like I was like a big Happy Days fan, but I, I knew him from that. Yeah, there's like a whole generation of people who just know Henry Winkler from his awesome work later in his career, like his work post 2000s. You know, like because, yeah, honestly, Fonzie's like kind of just like a footnote on his career at this point, despite being the thing he's most known for. But I think. Uh, you know Hollywood's better with Henry Winkler getting work, and I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that this got him some some of the big mo, as they say in sports, some of the big mo momentum in his direction. Um, yeah, man, where do we go from here? Like, there's just
1: like it's it's a lot of performances that I love, and then like a few scenes that I love, and just like moments that I think are iconic. It's like hard to really pin down anything about maybe like story or themes Mm -hmm. Um, outside of course like the the meta aspect of the film so
0: well let's talk about the meta aspect of the film then that's what we're here to do
1: hell yeah you start I I I think well I'll start then yeah I said you start and then I was like here's my point (laughs) Uh, I've got a dog hair in my mouth anyways um yeah I just thought it was super cool that it's it's a tricky thing to do, to be, like, meta and self-aware and not just straight-up, like, winking at the camera, like, saying, Oh, well, don't feel too stressed. We know this is a movie. It's it's a lot more referential, and it doesn't really ever break the tension for the horror that's going on. It's not... You know, being meta can be, like, more airing on the side of parody mm-hmm. than like a vehicle of storytelling and this sure. feels more like a vehicle of storytelling where the killer is referencing uh, movies that exist in our reality mm-hmm. and that kind of thing and other characters picking up on that of course like, like you said uh, characters saying like this is all just following a formula that we see in the movies mm-hmm. and I think it makes us smile but it doesn't really break the tension mm-hmm. because at no point do they go like hey, what if this was just a movie? Ha, crazy, right? And then they just, like, look at the camera. Right, right. Or, like, a boom mic comes into the shot or something. Yeah. It would have been funny, but it would have kind of snapped the tension a little.
0: Yeah, and they they never once did that. You know, like, they, they winked. There were so many little nods. But I also noticed that, like, for the most part, the winks were real quick. You know, just, like, real quick little lines that they threw away or just a random little moment. Um... I hadn't really thought about it until we're talking about it now, but it's amazing how organically their contrivance came across. That <laughs> there was a character in the movie who was super obsessed with the formula of horror movies and the killers were also super obsessed with the formula of horror movies and that's actually why they were doing things the way they did it and there was a character yeah. who understood that. That is contrived as fuck and i just honestly didn't even question it just because it really works (laughs) like just but like how fucking coincidental is that shit but i guess it's meta enough to just it just works and honestly when when the story is engaging enough none of that stuff matters you're not going to care about any of that when the story has you genuinely engaged and this movie kept me genuinely engaged the whole time
1: yeah most definitely
0: so we got to talk about Matthew Lillard.
1: Oh, I have in my notes, Matthew Lillard is a treasure.
0: He is a treasure, big time. Oh man. He was so good he, in this.
1: He was so good in this. Like, he's in so much stuff, and he has just, like, such a wide range, and he could play, like, super subdued characters and then super Scooby-Dooed characters. <laughs> where... <laughs> Where he just gets to showcase, like, this unending charisma. And he's super energetic and just magnetizing to watch. Yeah. I love him in this movie. Um, he's also in the show uh, Good Girls. I don't know if you've been watching that. That's currently on.
0: but I'd he literally watch it just because Matthew Lillard was in it.
1: In this movie?
0: No, I would watch Good Girls just because, yeah, okay, just yeah, yeah. because he's in it.
1: He's he's really, really good in it. It's, it's a more subdued role because, you know... He's older. Bravo. He's playing. He's he's just playing a suburban dad, yeah. for the most part. But yeah, he's he's still got it, man.
0: Fun fact: I, uh, enemy of the show, Davis Kauk, major Matthew Lillard stand loves the guy. Okay, loves the guy. I was
1: worried. I was worried you were gonna no. call him Matthew Lillard hater or something. No,
0: no, no. He'll 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 love our praise if he still listens. I think he might have bailed after the <laughs> Matrix episode.
1: That's fine. <laughs> he knew what he was getting into.
0: So. uh, who who did you think the killer was, Greg?
1: Um I think it it's kind of weird like at a certain point for me I stopped trying to guess and just went along for the ride. Yeah. Um You know, that's that's the thing with these kind of movies is when you invest too much or like think too hard, I think you said you said something about it last week too. Uh, about mysteries where it's just like to in order to make this like a 90-minute film you have to drag out this mystery past the point of like sensible resolution or explanation and like just make it something nonsensical and kind of contrived and I don't think this was that by any means but I think it does help it does help lull you into kind of like hey I feel like the movie's reassuring me to like just be along for the ride yeah. and like let's just watch some people get hacked and slash and we're gonna make some jokes about it that you're gonna like. And I was like, okay, I do like it.
0: I'm, I'm honestly, I'm the same way with every movie. I never try to figure anything out. That's just not the way my mind works. I just
1: also I'm too dumb to figure it
2: out. <laughs> usually, yeah, <That's>, yeah,
0: <laughs> same, bro. Um, I'm usually just like. Tell me your story, and I'll tell you what I think about it when it's all over. you know, like I'll just i, I don't think ahead, you know, like I'm just like,, mm-hmm. you'll reveal this when you're ready um but man, this is a master class in red herrings, like they had so many potentially believable fake outs that they did in this movie
1: uh what's what what's one of your favorite ones?
0: One of my favorites is the idea that it could have been her dad um. You had the idea that it could have been uh, Courtney Cox's reporter character. Um, They had you confused as fuck if Billy Loomis was the killer. You know, like, they really... Mm -hmm. Will they won't they'd with that. Um, The guy, the creepy guy who wants to fuck Nev Campbell, uh, he... He had plausible reason. You know, like, there was just all this... Mm -hmm. There just weren't a lot of people you could rule out until they were dead. You know, like, once they were... Or, like, a... They kind of, like, alluded, I feel like they kind of tried to create an energy even that, like, Henry Winkler was a possible suspect. You know, like, there was just all of this, like, well, once Ghostface kills them, you know it's not them. Instead Mm -hmm. of, like, uh, instead of cutting down victims and killables, he was kind of cutting down suspects. You know, like, it was a process of elimination thing.
1: Yeah, yeah that that's what made it a lot of fun too is just like they give you a couple more breadcrumbs that might lead you to another character and then they kill that character mm-hmm. it's oh it's so much fun,
0: yeah um what did you think about having it be two killers, like two people collaborating?
1: No, great, that makes it even easier to uh kind of tie up any loose ends or just like it just makes it more plausible mm-hmm. it- um I will say having it be two killers. Man, these guys really kept it together for a whole year. Mm-hmm. And then in that whole final scene, they're just like completely on hand. You're like, Man, you guys kept this bottled in pretty tight. Yeah. No, they're good at it. Until right do. now.
0: <laughs> Smarter than a high schooler would normally be. Um, mm-hmm. And more sociopathic than a high schooler would normally be. These were some Jeffrey Dahmer ass kids, man. Um, no, I-, I liked it being two because uh, I thought it was a plausible option C. You know, like a uh, a good twist is a twist where they had you asking the wrong questions, right? Like mm-hmm. they had you asking, "Who is the one person who's doing this?" And you have like, well, Billy's kind of a suspect, but also, you know, there's like some there's some evidence that he's not. You know, like there there were all uh, you've seen him killed, even. You know, <laughs> like, um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, they had you asking the wrong questions. They didn't have you asking. Is it possible that two people could be collaborating really well to pull this off and i I thought it came across really really well and uh led to an absolutely iconic final scene man just a really awesome iconic final scene
1: dude it's so good man it's it really showcases like we just mentioned matthew lillard and also nev campbell doing a great job of being like scared but also Like trying to gain a little bit of control in the situation Mm -hmm. i thought everybody was great there
0: yeah man um should we talk about the feminist commentary or is that for women to talk
2: about
1: uh i'll leave it for the we're watching podcast i have i have no valid perspective
0: that's kind of how i feel too (laughs) but i want to at least acknowledge that it is a real big part of this movie and I think it's something that makes the movie great is it furthers a discussion on something problematic beyond that i think it's more important to use my ears instead of my voice in that conversation i'll let uh i'll let people a little closer to the situation tell me what that means to them
1: yeah uh that's yeah i don't want to sound like i'm dismissing the topic but uh, despite every single episode so far in every movie we've reviewed I don't like talking about things where I don't know what I'm talking about. Really? Because I've been thinking
0: <laughs> I think the world needs more ignorant, straight white men commenting on experiences they haven't had. Hold on. <laughs> it was a joke! It was it was a self-aware scare!
1: Slash S guys. Yeah, he slash didn't, S. He didn't serious.
0: I was being self-aware and scaring mm-hmm. anyone who took that seriously because you were probably like I don't want to listen to this fucking show anymore. Um... <laughs> I did want to comment on something I thought was really funny. <laughs> the uh, The garage door kill, which is probably the hokiest oh, thing yes. that happens in the movie. Um, it's, first of all, just a funny and contrived kill um, that also really works. You have someone like trying to crawl out of a dog door and then getting raised up a garage door. Um, <laughs> but what was so funny to me was, even from behind a mask... Ghostface had this, oh, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna head out energy in that scene.
1: Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, the door opening, like, <sighs> ooh, time to leave, I
0: guess. He, he kind of had this, like, Casual okay, listen, exit. man, I didn't know it was gonna go like this.
2: <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> like,
0: I was just trying to stab her, I wasn't trying to garage door impale her. <laughs>
1: It was like a mix, uh, and it's all body language, yeah. a mix of that was way too easy, and also that's a little fucked up. I'm going to leave.
0: <laughs> I, I saw I saw Homer Simpson going backwards into the bush. <laughs> <You> know,
1: <laughs> like... <laughs> Same physical energy, yeah. Oh, man. Um... I liked any time somebody said uh, cellular telephone. <laughs> That's just me, though.
0: Or when she used uh, a primitive IBM computer to call nine one one and got a response that she yeah. could text
1: into it. That was incredible.
0: <laughs> that was great.
1: Deus ex hacking us almost. Ex
0: Hac... uh, she... It's not that she didn't try.
1: She didn't quite save her.
0: Yeah. Um. Man, I just kind of want to gush over that final scene some more. I just thought it was just...
1: I kind of derailed us, but yeah.
0: No, you're good, man. I'm I'm just casually gushing. I just feel like I haven't spent enough time talking about how good I thought it was and how fucked up it is when they're stabbing each other and they've got all these cool lines like, uh, movies don't create murderers or whatever. They just make murderers more creative and, oh man, that fucked up scene where they're like stabbing each other and executing their plan and... You kind of got the the uh courtney cox baby face turn that was pretty dope
1: yeah dude that's when you really like are just glued to the screen is when uh they're stabbing each other really because you're just like they're so crazy that they might just get away with this but i know there's three sequels but (laughs) yeah but no
0: i mean i think like honestly you needed that scene to explain the plot You know, like, for them to do something like this, you needed to see that these guys were off the rails. John Wayne Gacy-ass sociopaths. You know, like, you, like, truly (laughs) needed to see. For this movie to make any sense, you had to be, like, they are just complete antisocial personality disorder people who have, like, studied how to pass as normal and feel no remorse and feel no guilt and just are, like completely incapable of empathy, completely dissociated from the idea that there's anything other than your own sick, hedonistic pleasure. Um, and it's a delicate line to walk because they could have very easily gone a little bit over the edge and ruined the whole thing. You know, like made it right. just a little too dialed up and just like fucking blown it. And I thought they just they just hit the sweet spot, man.
1: Yeah. It, it, it's, a, it's a hard line to balance between like playing it safe and then just going so overboard that everyone just kind of gets taken out of the moment yeah. but they found it they hit the groove
0: yep you know who we haven't mentioned though my man david arquette yeah i love him man he's
1: cute in this movie man.
0: Re- dude he was he was so good in scream
1: he, he, i i think i mentioned to you uh when we went out on sunday to alamo that oh yeah because they were playing previews for scary movies they were going to be showing and they showed like a quick clip of scream Mm -hmm. i was like david arquette's character in scream is just like ryan gosling's character in the nice guys
2: (laughs) the same
0: i didn't even realize that (laughs) they're 100 percent the same
1: just like the little high bitch (laughs) like a little in over their heads but also like trying to show that like they're the man in charge of the situation when they're they're just not just uh the same energy similar facial hair it's it's great yeah the i saw a lot of similarities between the two and it made watching david arquette in this movie a little bit funnier for me oh yeah (laughs) unintentionally but it's yeah he's super enjoyable in this and he's always running around with his gun out
0: (laughs) and he's named like what deputy dewey right yeah Dewey. (laughs) he's dewey yeah yeah. (laughs) Um, which is just a derpy name, Deputy Dewey. Sounds like a character on a kids show, and he's always getting mm-hmm. like emasculated by his little sister, um, and his boss, and saying like at work when he's been embarrassed by his little sister, saying, "Mom said you have to respect me at work." Which is so <laughs> <great>. <laughs> That's my superior. You know, you know why he lived through this through this movie, right? It's my favorite documentary of 2020. You cannot kill David Arquette.
1: Oh. Is that a documentary from 2020?
0: Oh, for real? You didn't know about this? No, I yeah, didn't. Yeah, it's called You Cannot Kill David Arquette and it's about him uh redeeming his pro wrestling legacy and I can't recommend it enough. Did you know he was uh the WCW World Heavyweight Champion? No. Yeah. It was to promote promote Ready to Rumble. They put the world title on him. And he's a massive wrestling fan. And it was viewed as, like, this disgrace to wrestling and everyone hated it. And he tried to get them to not do it because he was like, I'm a wrestling fan and I would hate this. Um, Right. And he gave all the money he made from it um, to the families of Owen Hart and Brian Pillman, who were wrestlers who passed away around that time, very tragically, just, like did all the right things and was this like negative footnote on the history of something he loves. So You Cannot Kill David Arquette is about him trying to redeem himself and do independent wrestling to like pay his dues in the late 2010s and it's it's dude hell yeah. It is a good fucking documentary. I can't recommend it enough. I'm crazy. Is about he
1: it. is he redeemed in your
0: eyes? He never needed redeeming in my eyes. Okay. I I loved him like dude, honestly. If I showed up at wwe or aew and they said hey denny we're gonna put the world title on you i'd be like that's a horrible idea but i'm not gonna say no (laughs) (laughs) like that's a really stupid choice that you're making but if you want to make me a world champion for no reason i'm not gonna say no i never blamed him for that and also just like knowing that he tried to stop it because he's a wrestling fan and knowing that he gave all of his earnings to families of deceased wrestlers i was like dude you're clean with me man like i blame the fucking bookers that put the belt on you but um yeah that's a kid living a dream and he never needed redeeming so uh he's he's just elevated from a status i already held him in because of that documentary i really loved it and i love david arquette
1: oh man i gotta watch that man dude there's, it's... A, there's probably a bunch of people that still are not on his side that have like just (laughs) permanent animosity towards him for whatever reason
0: yeah it's it's a tearjerker man like it is we call those people
1: marks marks bunch of
0: fucking marks greg i knew you were a good brother mark
1: Wahlberg hates him (laughs) i understand wrestling
0: (laughs) oh man fuck this shit let's get into gimmicks
1: hell yeah dude uh we've got a new gimmick for this episode we're gonna have a new gimmick
0: gimmick of the week
1: there there would be music there if there was music to put there. Somebody get, get John, John Wasson on the phone. Somebody <laughs> put the the Wasson's Wasson beacon. <laughs> like,
0: hey,
1: it's just a it's just a, l- a
0: beer. <laughs> we need <laughs> another beer with you. We have a proposition.
1: I'm like, guess I gotta make another little ditty, huh? <laughs> uh our gimmick this week is our favorite wink to the audience. Mm. Uh all these movies have little nods to the audience that say we know what we're doing and we know you know let's all have a good time yep denny what is your favorite wink to the audience Um, for scream
0: i'm i'm gonna give an honorable mention if that's okay
1: sure i'm hoping you don't take mine
0: okay um i don't think i will it's that uh the character billy is named billy loomis and uh loomis is the name of the doctor in halloween who tries to treat michael myers um I just thought that's one that nobody talks about. Loomis isn't... That icon- was
1: mine. How did you know? It, okay. it wasn't mine. Yeah. Go ahead.
0: Loomis is a really iconic character. They clearly had a good enough relationship with either John Carpenter or the studio that owns his intellectual property to play actual clips of Halloween and use the soundtrack. So I thought that was neat. But um, oh yeah, my number one is when... Uh, this might be yours. Um, when... Henry Winkler no it's just the best one that's why we I'll let you have it I'll let you have it
1: no you go ahead you go ahead. it's
0: why we picked it because it's obviously the best one in my opinion yeah okay uh Uh,
1: you present it you present it
0: it's when Henry Winkler kind of gets the sense that he's being watched and he's walking around and he sticks his head in the hallway and there's a janitor and a fedora and a Christmas sweater and he goes oh not you Fred and then turns around like very clearly Freddy (laughs) Krueger um that that was my favorite wink to the audience i didn't mean to steal your thunder but
1: dude no it, it's it's like we've said before when we've stolen each other's favorite lines the fact that we both picked it only validates yeah. it it's just the best um, one with lots of good it, ones. There's lots it's of literally good ones. the best one there's just <sighs> no that question about it. Um, I, it it's it's like over in a second and a half and you're just like oh oh i liked that yeah
0: Henry Winkler totally throws it away in the best way, too. Not you, Fred. Yeah. Sid's around. Not you, Fred. Oh, he was so good in that moment.
1: (laughs) He's so good in a lot of moments. All right. Uh, Denny, what's your favorite line?
0: My favorite line, um, I'm going to go with, now that Billy tried to mutilate her, do you think Sid would go out with me? (laughs) solid teenagers are self-centered <laughs> yeah, i
1: love it horror movie teenagers are even more self-centered mm-hmm. dude i gotta say though real quick like i want to go to where this was filmed because this is like a beautiful beautiful town oh big time like the scenery there like i just want to get an airbnb out there and just like soak in those hills
0: we should in do, the trees we, like we should do a movies for wind road trip where we go to all of our favorite towns that were movies we covered were filmed in
1: we're going to spend a shitload of time in Vancouver.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but hey, it's it's a great city. Uh, my favorite line is also from the clipping song 96 Nev Campbell. Uh, it's when Ghostface is on the phone saying you like scary movies. What's your favorite?
0: Mm, iconic line right there.
1: Boom, chilling. I love it. It's great. Uh, <sighs> yeah, man. Uh, scores, man. Scores, scores. How do you score this on your scale oh, of one shit. to fifty? That's
0: what we do next. <laughs> yeah, I'm not talking about the soundtrack. <laughs> um, this is a 46 out of 50. I had to reevaluate a previous Ooh. claim I made on uh, our Friday the 13th episode. I said the only slashers I've rated higher than 40 are Friday the 13th, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Halloween. Um, I, I had to. I forgot about Scream it's a 46 to me it's a little bit more than just a straight slasher because of all the meta stuff but uh yeah man i think as far as the slasher elements go i think it's about as good as it could possibly be and as far as the meta elements go i thought it was just about as good as it could possibly be you know um i thought it i i i even like i told you this before we went on the air i was ready to lower it i was like "Mm, I was probably a little generous i I have a well-established recency bias um and I compared it to other other movies in the ballpark and I was like, "Nope, that's a solid 46. I think I think this is an all-timer, man. I really do. I'm a big fan of Scream."
1: That's pretty great. That's a really good score yeah. and totally justified. Uh I gave it a 31 out of 40. Uh just shy of an 8 out of 10. Um It feels weird like I ranked it lower and then I gave it a couple more points. Then I gave it a couple more points and like Now I kind of want to give it a little bit more, just because, like, looking back, I realize how much fun I had Mm -hmm. and how much fun it was to watch. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's just cool. I think I'm going to sit at a 31, though, just to, you know, have some finality to the rating. But it it was a ton of fun, Um, especially, like, like you're saying, is at the tail end, like, slashers aren't really, like, the big thing anymore. And this, like... Just made them all super fun again. Or it just it came out and was more as fun as it was when the trend started, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, so it, it's super cool.
0: It was a really cool like postmortem for them, you know, to be like, Hey, now that this has been done to death, let's talk about what we've been consuming for fifteen years. You know, yes. like let's have yeah. a conversation what did we learn from this what should we unlearn from this you know like what was good about it what was bad about it um it was just you know what other movies really in a timely manner do that at the right time in the right place while it's still really relevant and not just for fanboys you know yeah it's pretty cool pretty pretty cool pretty cool (laughs) you know what uh you know what pants have greg (laughs)
1: Pockets. Seams. Not these pants, baby. Because, mm. baby, just like these edits.
0: I like my edits. These pants, pants are seamless. Like, I like my edits. <laughs> seamless.
1: <laughs> Loose fitting. Welcome back, everybody. Hello, everyone. In a shocking turn of events, I have been seamless edited.
0: Yeah. I finally got gotcha. you.
1: Doesn't feel good, man.
0: Yeah, imagine how I feel twice a week. <laughs> Every
1: week. <laughs> uh, that's fine. You distracted me with I think you should leave um reminiscing and it, it 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 bit me. It bit me in the Charlie Brown pants. It's
0: really your Achilles heel.
1: Mm-hmm. And popcorn.
0: <laughs> um. Greg, we're here to talk about Cabin in the Woods
1: hell yeah we are uh this is the consensus pick i guess we should call the, the, it this is the one we had to do
0: the, this would be for... less of an episode if we didn't do it
1: yeah if we left it up to the audience they would have just picked this anyways and if they didn't we would have overridden their decision. so let's just you know save everyone some energy and pick cabin in the woods here i almost uh, uh, i almost
0: put up a poll with the only option being cabin in the woods i really thought about it
1: you ooh, that could've <laughs> still time.
0: <laughs> I might do it between now and when this airs.
1: Dude, uh I'm trying to remember the first time I watched this movie. Well, first, uh we'll summarize the plot really quick, I guess. I, I'll I'll take this one since you took Scream. Uh Cabin in the Woods is a movie that is playing on all the tropes in most horror movies that you've seen, especially ones where college students or high schoolers go to cabins and when those cabins happen to be in the woods it's a movie you've seen a million times and we slowly start well spoilers of course we slowly start to learn that these teens these college students are actually there to be human sacrifices for ancient gods and there is a company that oversees these sacrifices and makes sure that the genuine sacrifice of different tropes of characters are killed in the correct order <laughs> and in a genuine manner to appease the ancient gods that reside under the earth. It sounds insane because it is. <sighs> this is one of the best ideas for a movie I've ever heard. Yeah. Personally. Like, there's like what we just watched with Scream right? Where you, you kind of Put a spotlight on your own genre. This is the next level of that. This, this is more like
0: more than a spotlight.
1: Yeah, this is a whole evolution of just like I I don't know it like it's not parody, it's not meta, it's like something else where it's like an entirely new story that is explicitly derived from a story you've seen a hundred times
0: it is something that has never been done before or since and that it ties an entire genre together and gives it new meaning in the form of a meta canon without the genre's consent (laughs) like
1: (laughs) the genre didn't ask for this but man anytime you watch another horror movie like this you're gonna be like this is to appease the gods, isn't it?
0: <laughs> it makes every horror movie make sense. It mm-hmm. makes every horror movie work as an either successful or failed attempt at sacrificing people to these gods. I cannot think of another movie with the scope of this without really fucking with any intellectual properties except like one, which we'll get into.
1: Okay. Yeah, we will. Um This movie came out what was it, like twenty twelve, twenty
0: thirteen? I'm gonna guess what it? I'm gonna guess twenty eleven before I look it up because I remember a friend at the show, Don Dinham, telling me he liked it when I went swimming with him at Barton Springs in Austin, Texas. It is twenty eleven.
1: Twenty eleven. Nice, good job. We should uh <laughs> Alright, next time in my notes I'm gonna put the year next to the film. I'm done I'm done. <laughs>
0: done looking this shit up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to like quietly type in the microphone. Like, let's just save myself some trouble. Dude. Editing, Greg, remember to do that later. I think. That's just. That's for me.
0: First and foremost, I just think we need to say the name Drew Goddard. (coughs) Oh, man. What a guy.
1: What a guy. What a guy
0: that Drew Goddard is.
1: He got he got uh, I can't never mind go ahead sorry no, Greg. It's, <laughs> there's no joke there
0: what is what is your relationship with this movie and the work of drew Goddard
1: uh, With drew Goddard specifically I can't really uh, I don't know I can't really think of anything uh, I guess it would probably have started with this movie um, I watched it pretty soon after it after it had uh, come out I want to say it was, uh, if I didn't see it in theaters, I saw it, uh, very, very soon after. Uh, I've seen this one maybe three or four times, and the first time I saw it I was just completely blown away. Like, it's yeah. freaking awesome.
0: I actually put off seeing it forever, and I don't really know why. Um but I, I saw Bad Times at the El Royale and wanted more of Goddard's work. And I was like, oh shit, Cabin in the Woods. And it was on our, uh, I think it was on our uh, our movie list. But <laughs> do you want to know why I didn't watch it? It's a
2: funny hmm. story.
0: <laughs> I always confused it with the movie Cabin Fever.
1: Yeah, okay. With
0: uh, uh, <laughs> Ryder Strong in it. And so I was uh-huh. always like, it didn't look that great. Why is everyone going on about it being a classic? I guess I'll check it out one day.
1: And Oh, Thor's in it. <laughs> yeah. Wait a second.
0: <laughs> then I found out they were different. Um, I really did enjoy Bad Times at the El Royale, though. Um, I don't think they stuck the landing, but that's another podcast. I'm not a fan of the ending of that movie, but the rest of it's pretty fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. So I just needed to know more despite uh i did not like the martian so fuck that movie um interstellar it was a f-
1: it was a fine book
0: i don't read i watch it was okay, I, it was okay. Gra- I can't read books graduate school broke me of my literature habit <laughs> once and for all um i used to read a lot That's fine. i just can't fucking do it anymore uh, i got so fucking tired of reading and i never recovered um i did not like the martian i thought it was uh just a dumbed down version of interstellar that uh show, chose to have the most interesting parts off camera um all that goes to say good lord cabin in the woods is a great fucking movie
1: yeah i love this movie I w- we talked about scream and like how much fun it was and how much fun it brought to the uh slasher genre this is one of the most fun horror movies oh yeah like even bigger umbrella that like that i've ever seen
2: yeah
0: um you know this was the one that i watched first for this episode and it officially kicked off a spooky season for me and vanessa we had five COVID compliant um halloween parties last year and while it was really fun we really burnt ourselves out and despite horror Mm -hmm. probably being my favorite genre i've watched very little of it in the last year and this was kind of a return to it and uh those vibes showed up, man those happy haunts materialized for me. This is a great way to start it <laughs> off and uh, I'm honestly of the opinion that rewatchability should be a bonus and not a not a necessity um, yeah I think that you shouldn't need to watch a movie twice to really appreciate it however I think you I think that adds a lot if it gets better on a second watch. This was actually my only my second time watching it, and really, yeah. um, again, I told you I thought it was Cabin Fever, yeah, so yeah, I yeah. didn't watch it. <laughs> I was just like, people <laughs> are weird about that movie. It didn't look that great to me, um, <laughs> so this is only my second time watching it, and man, it is even better on the second pass. It really, really... There's just. When you know what's going on, it is just oh, there's just so much to pick up that is really, really enjoyable
1: yeah it it's it is rewatchable based on how fun it is, but it's also like rewatching it is equally fun because of just how much stuff you're gonna pick up on, like how many lines and details that you're like, "Oh, I know that what they're talking about now it's it's so it's so cool." Yeah. And rewatching it makes it harder to pick a side for who to root for, honestly. No,
0: that's that's the brilliance of the movie, is they establish this like legitimate philosophical debate about like everyone's right to live, because none of us would want our right to live taken away from us versus the greater good. You know, <laughs> like it really like mm-hmm. has a genuine utilitarian ethics debate going on in its subtext, which I just I just it's a fantastic film. It's really, really smart. It's a brilliant movie, man. It's really great.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh man. There's. I I don't want to say like. There's too much stuff. That they kind of that kind of necessitates a second watch. Like there's so much stuff going on, especially in like the first couple scenes within the, uh, corporation or the underground uh, company that's kind of overseeing this there's like so much going on that you're if you're not privy to what's going on can be pretty confusing i'm trying to remember how i felt my first time watching it not really knowing what they're talking about and was i still like was i storing that for later was i frustrated with like not having a clue what was going on and i i if I remember correctly, I think I was kinda like it just made me more curious to see what was really going on behind the scenes, even though we're shown behind the scenes from the very beginning, from the absolute get go, we are shown behind the scenes and that's what it's really about. Yeah. So
0: I think my first time watching it, like my my story with horror is that like growing up and mostly through middle school and early high school, I was a huge horror movie fanboy. Like, I just, from a young age, loved monsters, was crazy about all that. Then my anxiety got really bad, and I really didn't like being scared, and I didn't re- I really did not like to see graphic imagery for, like, probably, like, 12 years, from probably the time I was, like, oh, wow. 15 until I was 26, 27, um, I really didn't mess around with horror i i just my anxiety was intense and i couldn't handle it and then i started like edging back into this you know and started reconnecting with something i loved in my childhood and built up my distress tolerance went to a lot of fucking therapy you better believe it sir um (laughs) and (laughs) so basically by the time i watched cabin in the woods i had reacquainted myself with the genre you know like i was i was pretty genre savvy again and I just felt like it was a love letter, you know. Like I was just like, mm-hmm. "I'm
1: welcome back, Danny." Yeah, I'm I'm, tra- I'm
0: tracking <laughs> with this, you know. Like I I was very much on board. I it had both both benefits of being nostalgic and completely new, which is really hard to establish, and that's why Stranger mm-hmm. Things is successful. Um, you know, like <laughs> it's it's a big deal when you can pull that off.
1: That's right, man. This, I guess we'll get into, like, particular scenes now. Sure. Um, I thought it was, oh, man. The way this movie kind of flowed is, like, as soon as you start, we're kind of focusing on two different groups with the company and then with the uh, with the kids. Yeah. I keep calling the kids. They're, like, probably, like, 20, right?
0: They, they seem to be in college, right? One of them's a... They're, they're in college. Chris Hemsworth yeah. is a sociology major, so they're in college. But Mary, yeah and then the other on the young side of college it seems
1: Yeah exactly uh like these this group of youths is uh we're we're focused on them and then we're going back to like this company that's kind of puppeteering their experience and like it's a really fun flow of like we're staying with this group long enough to care about what is going on in the scene from their perspective and then we're immediately switched over to the next group and we're given their perspective like really quick and then we start getting a little deeper into what they care about what they're talking about and then like we just keep switching back and forth at a really cool pace I think that's what makes this work so well
2: no
0: absolutely and one of my thoughts was I really wish that non-meta horror movies were this good at establishing killable characters. <laughs> Cuz yeah. they have like <laughs> when we meet the kids, the teens, the 20ish people, um I'm sure it seems condescending if you're in your early 20s and you're listening to a guy who's 31 talk about you as a kid. I'm sorry. You're a child though. Yeah, you're yeah. I mean, I was too. I'm not judging you, but I look back on myself at that time in my life and I was like, "Yep." definitely still a child living in a very insulated <laughs> world um designed for my safety and comfort and the rest of the world wasn't really like that um mm-hmm. but they have this very charming banter that first of all establishes who the characters are and makes me like them and i really wish other horror movies were that fucking good at it they <laughs> like they they could take some notes because <laughs> you know it's like When we watch Friday the 13th, you've got this whole fucking group of annoying teens that you just want to see Jason kill, right? Like, by the time you get to part four, at least, you're like, oh my god, stab him.
2: (laughs) Yeah,
1: usually, especially with Friday the 13th, it's like, we'll have all these characters you're not supposed to like most of them. Maybe one you're supposed to kind of root for, like, maybe they're going to be the survivor at the end. This one, Cabin in the Woods really kind of flips that around and says, like, you're going to like pretty much all of them for widely varying reasons. Yeah. And stuff's going to change for them that maybe you wind up, you know, maybe actually liking them a little bit more and rooting for everybody to survive. But you understand that they won't. Yeah. It's, it's good emotional investment just from like having them all actually be friends like in in horror movies why are they're all going out into the woods and like three people hate everybody yeah you've got like, like it's not fun <laughs> you've
0: got like a stoner a jock a nerd a slut and a virgin you know like and you're just like why would these guys be hanging out <laughs> they seem to have nothing in common um you know like and they they boil themselves down to these one note characters um also forgive me for my use of the word slut i'm talking about the archetype if women choose to have lots of sex good on them i'm not judging them for that um i'm talking about the the, the archetype of the sexually promiscuous woman that they tend to punish in these movies unjustly if
1: if you if you saw the movie you you'd
0: understand yeah absolutely um no but i think every character in this movie has charm and that's what really makes it work like between like the killables, and then you have like the corporate people, and even the like uh, the fish out of the water, right? The one fish out of water that they use to um the merman. No. <laughs> that I have a whole different tangent about setups. And All right, we'll, we'll get back <laughs> that, on that. that the merman. <laughs> um, no, the dude who uh he calls the dad from Stepbrothers, sir, and he's like, "This is not the military. Don't call me sir." um right yeah he's the guy that is essentially the straight man he's the fish out of the water he's an excuse for exposition but he's the dude who's asking ethical questions which is really what you're doing right like you as an audience member are like hey jaded fucks is it okay to kill these five innocent people um he's the guy asking those questions so even he who is kind of like the stiff that's like raining on the party cheers um thank you you know he's getting in the way of these people having fun it's kind of where you are as a decent human being right like he's asking the questions that you are asking and they just give every character something they give every character something that you can relate to them with and like them for and i I really think it's a great balance
1: yeah i think that character that you're referring to he's kind of the audience vessel for the first time you watch the movie Mm -hmm. And then I noticed, like the second or even the most recent time I watched the movie today, uh, I was like, "Man, stop being such a stick in the mud. Get with the program." (laughs) You kind of venture off of like what he's supposed to be. You start relating to different characters. I think that's really cool. Well, no, and that I feel like I feel like it's intentional too.
0: I think so too. And I think what's cool about it is, um, if this were real, he's the voice of reason and he's asking the questions that you should ask but it's not real and it's a movie and you know that and so you're like shut up we're having fun you know mm-hmm. like and so it's it really is like a well balanced character in that sense that he establishes like he establishes this concept of basically this movie's telling you this is all bullshit don't care about these characters it's this whole we're doing this whole meta thing and he's the one mm-hmm. that's like hey have you thought about the consequences of your actions? Have you thought the implications of the morality and the ethics of what you're doing? Nope, and I don't want exactly. to. Exactly. He's 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 the whistleblower, <laughs> right? But if it were yeah. real, you would value that character. So it's not mm-hmm. like you hate him. That's like the guy you would hope would stand up and say something. But it's not real. And so he just you're just like, oh my god, dude, we've seen a million horror movies. Let him die. Right. You know, like it's <laughs> it's just I I really like his character and I think it serves a really good purpose.
1: <sighs> That's right. Man. And uh unfortunately I didn't take a lot of notes on this as I was like mostly watching it while cooking or yeah, yeah, just had my hands too busy with uh taking care of chores and stuff to really take anything down. Um This is one of my favorite movie Harbingers. Oh my god, he's
0: so good.
1: (laughs) He's terrific.
0: The dichotomy when he calls, uh, (laughs) I never remember the actor's name. I just call him Eric (laughs) because of Billy Madison. (laughs) Eric! (laughs) 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 I'm looking up his name right now. Um, oh fuck, where is he? What is he called? Brad, Bradley Whitford, who plays a character Hadley, and Richard Jenkins, aka the dad from Step Brothers, as I like to call him, um, is. Oh, the guy from The West Wing. Yeah, sure. I haven't seen The West okay. Wing. Okay. Eric? <laughs> then he does that little weasel laugh.
1: <laughs> so, what happened in Cabin in the Woods, Denny?
0: <laughs> Man, I completely lost my train of thought. Um, yeah
1: you liked it when the harbinger called
0: oh when he has that phone call with him and i
1: was on the speaker phone he's
0: speaking doom and gloom and they're all just like making fun of him and he's like wait a minute am i on speaker (laughs) no no
1: oh wait Uh, i'm sorry it looks like you are i'm gonna take you off now buddy
0: and just what a cool terrific what a cool fantasy that you could have a job that like involves hiring a harbinger and calling him and being like yeah man you did it by the books like that was great real clean harbinger stuff um, I, I just worked great the the gods are gonna love it <laughs> you know, like the dichotomy <laughs> of like his that dude's supernatural peril with like corporate cynicism they just what a juxtaposition man <laughs> they did so fucking good with that. I was crazy about it. And just like the whole idea of like normal looking people clocking in, clocking out at of the office, wearing ties and mm-hmm. worshipping ancient demonic gods. Just like
1: Yeah, like so cool. Like the fact that there's an accounting department mm-hmm. in <laughs> in this like company that is committed to carrying out the sacrifice of people to satisfy ancient gods that are lying dormant beneath the earth yeah this company has an accounting department and needs like human resources yeah. and it's it's oh it's terrific well, I,
0: I love any movie that is basically like hey people in a cult they're not wearing like dark robes and like covering themselves in blood it's like normal looking people in ties that are very clean cut you know like that's mm-hmm. that's uh, mm-hmm. a better warning about the real world in my opinion based on my experiences um i i think it's like you know like I, i've heard uh i've heard a comment that like something that sucks about harry potter is it like trains you to the idea that uh the bad guys will identify themselves as bad guys you know, they'll mm-hmm. they'll be, like, evil-looking and spooky and snake-like. And it's really like, no, like, the real bad guys blend in. <laughs> you know, like, they look like mm-hmm. the socially acceptable, upstanding members of society. And those are the people you should maybe be a little more wary of. And I think Cabin in the Cause... Woods does a really good job of, of uh, displaying that.
1: Yeah, I think so. Man. Uh... I think one of my favorite scenes is when they're in the basement all deciding what monster is or uh deadly force is going to come kill them all. It's so fun when you look at like the different artifacts and stuff and especially on the on a rewatch mm-hmm. I'm just knowing like what every single artifact is going to potentially lead to. Yep.
0: They've got that, uh, so that cool. Hellraiser ass guy that they tie in. They've got like the mm-hmm. oh god, if you've seen Hellraiser, that was just perfect. And that, like eventually, the dude with the other sphere instead of a cube has a uh, like buzzsaws going through his fucking. Yeah, it's <laughs> so fucking funny. It
1: looks a lot like Hellraiser. You got the ballerina girl and like he was holding the conch, man.
0: Uh, he was about to <laughs> blow it. I'm never gonna see a merman. Um. Yeah, man. One of my one of my thoughts on the movie was like, man, I've kind of alluded to it already. They're so good at setups and payoffs. That merman dialogue pays off. Just so much stuff gets a full circle. It's just it's it's yeah. brilliant in that way, man. It really is brilliant. Um. God, that scene where everyone gets unleashed. You know, like they. They set you up with this kind of, like, I wonder what would happen with each of these artifacts. And then you're in that, like, elevator scene, like, and you get to see what the fuck would happen with each of like, them.
1: And you get to see them, and then they're all released all at once, too.
0: Yeah. Oh, God. It's great. What a fucking fever pitch that reached, man. Like, what a fucking <laughs> fever pitch. Um, you know, I've, I've said before what a big fan I am of an airtight screenplay this is one with no wasted motion that conceptually it had every reason to waste motion and just like make jokes for the sake of making jokes make meta commentary for the sake of being meta all of it played into something later just like Mm
2: -hmm. not
0: a word of dialogue is wasted even when like that girl makes out with the with the wolf which is like an unnerving scene um it goes on to play in later where they're like yeah no we gave her like horny pheromones you know like we made her crazy <laughs> horny we've been we
1: put stuff in her hair dye to make her dumber
0: exactly yeah we've been like we've been manipulating these people into playing these archetypes you're seeing it's not how they usually are um yeah just just, just airtight man just not not anything that was not purposeful made it into this movie and i really love it for that
1: that's the only thing that i think um maybe we could have spent a little more time with is we we figure out pretty early on that they are being slowly uh chemically altered with their mental state into being like having different characteristics and to the point where marty one of the, the stoner character points it out like he's usually not like this and she's usually not this way i've seen him drunk he's not like he's not he normally never gets this way i wish we had spent like a little bit more time with each of these characters in their i guess like real personalities and like their real uh chemistry between each other as friends i think we get a good amount of it i just i feel like if we start noticing those changes a little bit more, I think it could have been a little more interesting, but that's like such a minor thing that's like it it probably was written somewhere, but it just like ultimately didn't need to happen well I don't know that that was that would just be for me i guess i
0: I might disagree with you there because I think it might have showed their hand too much. I think it might have like, okay to me like you meet these stereotypical archetypes dialed up to eleven and you're okay with it because you've seen these in so many horror movies before you you know the drill you know what you're getting you know you're watching kind of a meta thing to me it was a cool reveal that they were like that you know you get that hint of like dude thor's a sociology major what's this alpha Mm -hmm. male shit and then they kind of sneak it in of like yeah we fucking up to testosterone or whatever you know like or yeah when they explained all the fog and forest of horror movies of being pheromone mist <laughs> you know like i don't know to me to me it was just right where i was like i think if we saw them change if we knew them before that moment it would have uh buried the lead i guess is that the t- i've never really understood that term um, I'm trying to think of something other than showed your hand because I already said showed their hand. Um
1: I oh, even said it three I times. I know, right?
0: Um, thanks, Britta.
1: You've really showed your hand with your knowledge of <laughs> phrases.
0: Um But to uh, to me that was what really worked. Was um was just kind of the like turn you on your head. Well and that's like that's what this movie is about. And so so this is what's so fucking cool about this movie, okay? you're telling a story about these people who theoretically their lives have gone on indefinitely in both directions before and after the movie well not this movie but lots of, you know like in a normal in a normal movie there are lots of days of these characters lives that were not worth mentioning the premise of this movie is that this is another day at the office for these people this corporate entity that sacrifices innocent people to the gods in this formulaic method.
1: Yeah, it's it's their big day, but it is something they prep and plan yeah, for year it round. happens
0: every year, they're prepared for it, seen it a million times, yada yada yada.
1: They're telling stories about 98, like, they've been doing this for yeah. a while.
0: But this was the one worth telling, because something went wrong. Right, mm-hmm. this was the one that was interesting, because the gods overtook the world in this story which is just awesome and so to me that all that all kind of plays into the that's what was so interesting about this as it's unfolding we're getting all of this background information that they really wouldn't have needed to tell us at the beginning
1: yeah oh man <laughs> not only it got fucked up there it got fucked up all over the world though yeah poor poor japan they fucked it up, man. It, him, him yelling fuck you to the nine-year-old Japanese schoolgirls is peak comedy, Also, I gotta say.
0: What a perfect, perfect representation of J-horror. <laughs> like, I, I haven't seen that much of the it. The evil
1: is defeated. <laughs> the spirit lives in this happy frog now.
0: <laughs> I haven't seen much J-horror, but what I have seen... Yeah, that fits. <laughs> that mm-hmm. checks out. <laughs> that was so fucking funny. Uh, I, w- I was just crazy about it. Um, How about that Sigourney Weaver reveal?
1: Dude, how about it? Her walk into the movie is basically like, we did this because you're young. And she's just like, she's not she doesn't feel as corporate as any of the other um characters that we had been watching this whole time i think she's the one that calls them from like what they call like upstairs right um she doesn't come off as corporate she comes up as like kind of a an someone that has like an older understanding of the power of the gods and isn't really part of the company itself but she's still in charge of this kind of operation and they kind of operate it however they want to as long as the job gets done she's basically happy right and she she's got like this sinister aura about her but also just like very matter of fact and she she plays it really well i really like her in this yeah i mean i like all four minutes of her yeah i
0: like sigourney weaver and everything i've ever seen her in like she's she's ripley you know (laughs) like she's she's the shit um
1: Holes alien oh, yeah it's all dude, great she's
0: great in holes that movie doesn't get enough love i love holes um but well no she either. has that energy of like i have enough power to have a straight conversation with you <laughs> you know like i'm i'm just gonna mm-hmm. shoot you straight you really need to let yourself die for this greater cause and here's why you know like it's just like mm-hmm. cards on the table <laughs> no more no more here's, games here's here's what's going yeah, on i have the authority here's the backstory
1: <laughs> here's why you have to die now yeah.
0: um man loved her in that movie and it, it it's a question I, I've been wanting to ask Greg I want to ask
1: mm-hmm. you I'm here
0: if you are those final two characters what do you do do you die for the greater good or do you protect your, life, your right to live
1: hard to say mm-hmm. man I, I I would like to say die for the greater good, but you know <laughs> Hard to say how I would uh react to the ancient gods that reside below the earth.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm pretty similar. Honestly, I think we all want to say we would do the heroic thing. And I just think none of us has any idea how we would respond if we were in that situation until we're in a situation like that yeah i just i don't i think
1: i'm not i'm not sure we're ever going to be luckily got a
0: feeling we're not i don't think life is going to be that high stakes and interesting it's probably just going to (laughs) be podcasting until we die Um, but that's right um i i think we'd all like to think we do the right thing for humanity but i think anyone who says they know for sure what they do i don't believe them i don't think i know what i would do i think they had a really good workaround in this of giving us like a justification for why it happened that they were like "Mm, someone else deserves a chance let's let the gods overtake the world and destroy it (laughs) that's kind of how i feel i'm like you know what give them a couple millennia i'd love to see what dolphins and elephants do with the world (laughs) <laughs> they're not they're not as aggressive as apes <laughs> like maybe maybe we don't deserve to rule the world i i would like to think that i would have some perspective of being like you know what humans made nuclear bombs and sex trafficking let's see if the elephants do a better job
1: <laughs> rise of the planet of the elephants that's a movie i would watch I would the shit out of that watch.
0: elephants rock that's like, right cool creatures man
1: I'm trying to think of puns but
0: You know what I just want to say My,
1: my mind is as an empty as a trunk I'll, Please I go I ahead I say it
0: right now If you are an elephant centuries from now Discovering some weird data of this human podcast Ooh. I just want to say Be good to each other I hope you're doing well I don't have to tell you you're an elephant You have empathy Keep rocking just keep rocking I, you deserve it
1: and just just know that i never bought anything made of ivory never never be better than not us. not once
0: be better than us and, and <laughs> be be better future elephants or dolphins and or dolphins and possibly dogs we'll see how they do uh Ape, apes had their shot just just some love from denny and greg that's all that's all you need to hear
1: I'm sure uh, future elephants are very happy. Uh, Denny, what's your favorite wink to the audience in Cabin
0: in the oh, Woods? Man. I would say my favorite wink to the audience is Deadites being an option on the betting board that they had. Um, Deadites <laughs> are the zombie-ass possessed enemies from Evil Dead, and that was the one intellectual property that they did technically incorporate. I I just I love that Deadites was a possibility of, of what could be summoned. Because that, by the way that cabin looked damn near identical to the cabin in evil dead that was very it really did what they were referencing
1: absolutely with
0: the cellar what all great... that shit yeah what's yours what a great movie too love it
1: uh love evil dead we're gonna do that remake eventually oh, baby. spoilers for the show oh, baby it's a good one i haven't seen it uh this this one oh, come over i will um This one was hard to pick, like a wink to the audience, because it's all—it's so all-encompassing, of just like a reference to the horror genre as a whole. Like the whole thing is a wink to the audience, so I just picked like the my favorite moment of um, this not going as planned or not being like within the human uh, nature of what we'd expect in a horror movie, and that is. Uh, Mr. Hemsworth crashing his dirt bike into a force field while trying to jump over a canyon.
0: <laughs> that was great.
1: That is such a surprise, and it totally rules. Really
0: reminded me of the climax of Hot Rod. <laughs> 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 that was so great. And they that's the best thing. They told you about it. They showed you like a hawk or an eagle crashing into it. Um, mm-hmm. it it's been enough time that you've kind of forgot about it. <laughs> it's so fucking gross. you
1: just you start thinking maybe he's gonna make it you're like oh yeah right yeah no
0: his fall <laughs> down at force field was glorious <laughs> like where he's just like bumping <laughs> into it <laughs> so good
1: it's like simultaneously it's not it's supposed to be like horrifying and it's also supposed to be hilarious and it totally accomplishes both yeah well done yep well done, movie. Uh, Denny, what's your favorite line for this one?
0: I'm going to go with uh, a husband's bulge being used as a boner euphemism. I think it's the best one ever. <laughs> Goat tier boner He's got a euphemism. husband's bulge. <laughs> <laughs> that was Dude, great. Plain and simple. There's lots of good lines, but that one's my favorite. What's yours, Greg? Uh,
1: Marty had some... Uh, some solid nuggets of gold in there uh my runner-up was when they find the uh two-way mirror and marty says it was the pioneer days people had to make their own interrogation rooms i
0: I, I wrote that one down it was so good
1: (laughs) it's awesome uh my winner though is also marty when they're in the basement they're reading the diary and marty says i'm drawing a line in the fucking sand here do not read the latin (laughs) Fantastic. But the little ghost voice told him to do it. So they you did gotta it. do
0: it. Greg, what is a, what is your critic score?
1: Uh I gave this one a thirty four out of forty. Nice. Yeah, a little eight and a half out of ten. Not
0: too shabby. For you there?
1: Pretty pretty high, especially for a horror movie. Yeah. Uh this is one of my higher rated ones. Nice. Oh, I just it's a lot of fun and uh yeah, we. Yeah, just if you want to know why I said it, just listen back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about you?
0: I gave it a forty-five out of fifty. Um, Damn! All right. right,
1: right up there with Scream, just about.
0: Yeah, you know, I really, I really debated it, like which one was better, because um, I think they're both great. Um, honestly, I think you could make a case either way. It's really a photo finish for me. What I landed on was this. Um, First of all, Scream walked so Cabin in the Woods could run. You know, like, you've got to give credit to to a pioneer in the genre, since we're talking about pioneers. Um, Also, I think Scream had this dimension of still being 100% passable as a horror movie. Um, If you removed the meta elements... And this Mm -hmm. one, if you removed the meta elements, it's really uh, nothing remarkable. So I I gave Scream a little bit more, but man, they're neck and neck, man. I'm such a huge Cabin in the Woods fan. Um, Anyone who listens to the show regularly and hears me over-explain this knows that if you hit 45, you're in all-timer territory with me. You know, just like, after Mm -hmm. that... I honestly uh, lose a little bit of objectivity, and it's just kind of like, ah, eh, just kind of feeling it out. <laughs> Once you get that yeah. high, it's just nitpicking with me. It's like, how
1: did it make me feel?
0: Exactly, right? Like, it's just yeah. 100% personal after that. And
1: How do how do I, Denny, feel about
0: exactly. it? Exactly. Um, and so... Get those bonus points. I, I love both movies. They're one point apart on my Critiker. I but this is just extremely high praise for Cabin in the Woods. That was a you need to shit fart.
1: <laughs> I'd like to hear that out of context, which is why I'm incorporating the seamless edit. Everybody, welcome back to movies for when I've ruined Denny's night.
0: Greg hasn't seen Beetlejuice.
1: That's right. Can't hurt my feelings. I've ruined your life,
0: or yeah, your night at least. I, w- I want my washer dryer back now. <laughs> I
1: don't know what he's talking about. <laughs>
0: Greg, tell me about Funny Games.
1: Well, Denny, I'm just here to borrow a few eggs. You said you had a dozen. I don't really see what the problem is. Funny Games was my selection for movies for when you want a self-aware scare. This is a film that was originally come out in 1997. Uh, It was a French film. Uh, The same director... Wrote and direct. It's
0: not French. It's it's
1: Austrian. Austrian. Oh my bad. I'm. Ooh. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Fucking casual. Thank you.
1: Sorry. Let me rewind real quick. All right. So this is an Austrian film that came out in 1997. Uh, the same writer and director for that film uh, wrote and direct wrote and directed the American film in 2007. It is the story of a wealthy family staying at their uh, I guess summer home where they have their sailboat, it's on the water, um, and a pair of young men dressed in all-white uh, golf clothes just slowly encroach their way on, based on false niceties and work their way into the homes of this family and start uh, playing funny games with them. This is the title of the film. Uh... And they began dismantling their their minds and their lives. And truly horrifying stuff. Um, I'm going to give a Whiplash-style um, foreword here and say, if you haven't watched this movie, this is really one that you're going to want to see before we talk about it. There is a lot that goes on in this film that if we ruin it for you, really will rob you of a great experience um this is something i told denny to go into completely blind i told him don't read the synopsis don't watch the trailer just trust me go in and watch it and he i i viewed the movie the same way when i initially saw it um i want to say like eight or so years ago and the payoff of doing it that way is just completely worth it you 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 really are doing a disservice to yourself if you don't uh, at least watch this movie before hearing our discussion so there's your warning
0: I want to 100% affirm what Greg just said I actually thought about doing the same warning Um, I trusted Greg I did not look up anything about this I think the only thing I knew was that Naomi Watts was in it Um, and after I watched it I actually went and watched the trailer, and let me just say, I am so fucking glad I did not watch the trailer before I saw this movie. Mm -hmm. It would have completely uh, nerfed my experience watching the movie if I knew anything about it going in. I am so glad this movie is not prominent in the zeitgeist. And I am so glad that I knew nothing about it going into it because it is a really essential element of the of the tension and the suspense to simply feel like this movie could go anywhere. Uh, something about this movie is so off-putting and that's part of the excellence of this movie. Um, you really need to just have no context and feel bewildered. I just wish there was a way that they could market this movie without showing you anything about it. Yeah. Because watching the trailer is a disservice to yourself.
1: Yeah, unfortunately they do have to market it. And uh, I'll get back on my soapbox here and just say, don't watch any trailers. Trailers suck. Fuck them. Don't watch them. Um, I will completely space out in the theater and not watch them. Trailers aren't worth your time.
0: As a guy, I hate I, I,
1: trailers, I will not watch them. Go ahead, Denny.
0: I like I like trailers. I I like the hype. I like the romance of it all. You know, like there's there's been very few times in my life when I remembered a trailer well enough for it to like mess with a movie for me. And this is a movie where you should not see the trailer. To add to add a counter perspective that also affirms the main point Yeah, yeah, exactly. As someone who I just this movie would not have been the same if I knew anything about it going into it. Um, I just I just cannot stress enough that if if you are unsullied by any impression of what Funny Games is, stay unsullied and just watch it. It is one ninety nine on Amazon. Give Jeff Bezos two dollars, <laughs> like it's gonna make a fucking difference. Just watch this movie or better yet go to movie trading co or game exchange or your local used dvd store if it's still in business and just give them the money i promise you you will be happy to own this dvd i cannot stress enough the optimal way to watch this movie is to know nothing about it i am so glad that greg warned me about that i am so grateful Because it would not have been the same
1: You're very welcome
0: Especially those early scenes Especially those early scenes Where anything could happen
1: Mm -hmm. I think they get it Denny I think the point's been made I think everybody's gone to watch it I think everybody has run to family video To see if they have funny games on the shelf
0: God I hope so We're
1: here to talk about it though They're going to come back here They're going to hit the timestamp and be like Okay what did they have to say about it here we go guys
0: what's up buddies welcome back
1: hello everybody
0: how was being traumatized that's
1: right (laughs) hope you had are you nauseous Hope you had a great time
0: do Do you want to process it because we're here to help you do
1: that (sighs) um let me uh intro this by reading everybody what denny texted me the night he was watching it (laughs)
0: This was the most sincere thing I could have possibly said in that moment, by the way.
1: We texted a lot, because you you immediately went to watch Bob's Burgers after.
0: Yeah, I needed to. Um, This was, for the record, this was a pause during a pee break for me and Vanessa. Well,
1: you sent me two different texts, but uh, the first one was, Dear Greg, fuck you for making me watch this horrifying masterpiece. I am 45 minutes into it, and I am sick to my stomach and deeply disturbed. Jesus fucking Christ, what a movie. Fuck you and fuck Naomi Watts for funding it. I miss when your whole thing was liking country bears and not traumatizing me. Also, if you could make the Clockwork Orange Joker caddy stop talking to me and peering into my soul, I would feel a little bit more comfortable. Sincerely (laughs) Terrified, Denny.
0: I meant every word.
1: And then uh, once Denny had finished the movie, uh, he said, Go get fucked, you fucking monster. This is because they called you Greg the Egg, isn't it? That's why you like this movie. You want everyone to fear eggs. You made this movie, didn't you? You're Naomi Watts, aren't you?
0: We've never seen Greg and Naomi Watts in the same place. That's all I'm saying.
1: That's true. Denny's becoming unhinged, though.
0: We can't prove that Greg is not Naomi Watts. And really wants people to fear eggs. (laughs) Damn eggs. I remember early in this movie I remember thinking a really great horror can typically take something mundane and just a normal part of your life and make it scary. You know like that that's a skill.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um and I remember thinking well now I'm afraid of borrowing eggs from someone just because of how awkward it will be. Dude, that's little did I know just the fucking chain of events that was going to unfold that was so much worse than awkwardness.
1: I've seen this movie, I think, twice before, and the whole scene where they're borrowing eggs just makes me so unbelievably uncomfortable still. Oh my
0: god, yes. Yes. It's
1: so, like, I, I dread watching it and <laughs> for a movie I really yeah. like having a whole sequence that i dread watching oh. is something special uh, well this
0: is a whole movie that is part of the dread genre which is an underappreciated genre in my opinion
2: mm, do tell.
0: you know something horrible is going to happen but you don't know when and how and you are just filled with dread
1: that summarizes it <laughs> yeah right
0: like <laughs> It really, really does. That's this
1: plot. Um Ooh. I think the first time you're supposed to start feeling dread. Uh what do you think of the intro the intro scene?
0: Oh man, I think it's
1: Such... it's the perfect intro, and I love it. Um we've we've talked a lot here about how like a good roll credits at the end of a movie is uh a skill to truly like appreciate. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a better tone setting roll intro credits scene. Like, it's fucking yeah. perfect. It's so good. Yeah.
0: Um. Something I haven't talked about a lot on the air, I don't think, is my love of soundtrack dissonance. Mm-hmm. You know, like, when you are playing non-diegetic sound that does not match what you're seeing. You know, when the audio does not match the imagery i think it's one of the most interesting tools in all of cinema um and man did this movie ever utilize it yeah holy fuck just something that completely creates an uncomfortable rift in what you're watching versus what you're hearing to the point that like um vanessa my my wife vanessa she is a very sensitive sensory processor She does not like sensory input that is aggressive or abrasive. And I really thought we might have to turn off the movie for how long they held on this very abrasive soundtrack. I was (laughs) very surprised that she didn't start just losing her shit because I was getting pushed pretty far. And she has a higher tolerance, or I have a higher tolerance for it than she does. Mm -hmm. I was shocked that she wasn't. I I guarantee she was at her breaking point. Yeah. Um. I like she was looking over at me and I was looking over at her. Like, how long is this discomfort gonna go on? <laughs> you know, like they Ooh. they start out making you the very whole uncomfortable. Boy, did it! Little did we know that that was one of the least uncomfortable things about this entire movie.
1: Dude, I guess she's not a fan of "Bonehead" by Naked City. Um.
0: I don't know what that. That's is. the
1: song uh, that played. Oh, yeah. Well. It's aside from the classical music they started with, that's the only song in the film. Uh Could
0: you could you clear something up for me because I'm not that music savvy? Um <laughs> Vanessa just texted me like a couple seconds more and I might have freaked out. <laughs> she could she could hear me. She can hear room. us. <laughs> Sorry, babe. <laughs> she was she was at her breaking point, man. We 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 pushed her to the edge. Um is that Noise Core? Did this qualify as Noise Core?
1: I I don't know. I I I don't know either. It's like. It's a band that I probably would have listened to, but like once you start breaking down genres and stuff, like I can't really tell the difference. I just know what I like and I'll I'll sure. let someone else tell me what the genre is. Um
0: it, but Vanessa Vanessa put she looked over at me and goes, I hate Screamo. And I was like this is a little more specific than Screamo. Yeah. You know, like, I'm not the biggest Screamo fan myself, but I was like, I feel like this is probably Math Core or Noise Core or something I'm not hip enough to really understand. So,
1: definitely not Math Core, know. but it, I'll call it Noise Core for the sake of this. Um, that, that song paired with that scene of just like them it cuts out the audio from the film and is just blasting you with a song it tells you everything that's going to happen basically like it's it sets the tone and it also tells you like hey nothing good is going to come to this family um yeah strap in and uh, i wanted to ask you denny at what was the point that made you completely lose hope that any of these characters were going to live
0: honestly i think it's when they made the bet when they made the bet of like Mm -hmm. let's bet if by 9 a.m you guys are dead and you bet that you're alive um i was like this movie seems smart enough that they're just going to kill them all Mm -hmm. they're basically telling me with this bet the heroes won't die they have a deadline they have a goal and i think that was the moment that i realized that uh i don't know about complete loss of hope but that was the moment yeah. that i was like there was a legitimate chance that everybody just dies you were you know like they've they've established something that tells me I, i'll say this at that point i thought it was either everybody dies or nobody dies mm-hmm. i was basically like Either they are just sick fucks that like to make people squirm, or they're sick fucks that are going to straight up kill them all, and both of those are plausible, and that's what makes this a great movie, because I truly truly don't know what's going to happen, and there's there's lots of ways that they could go with this, because they've completely kept me in the dark as an audience member, and have shown me they fully understand my expectations and have guaranteed they're going to fuck with them. I just don't know how.
1: Yeah. They're gonna play some funny games, boy. Um, boy are they. I don't even I don't know like where to go from here. Like there's so many points I want to talk about. I don't really know how to transition into every,
0: I, I everything everything I feel. To
1: start with. Yeah, go ahead.
0: I've seen three movies ever. Three ever that I was like as you're as you're really getting into it, you're like Oh man, this is really good. But if it were like that fucking good, I would have heard about it by now. Mm -hmm. Like more people would have been talking about it. And then by the end of the movie, I was like, nope, it was just that fucking good. (laughs) And no one's talking about it. Those three movies are King of Comedy, which we have covered. Yep. Captain Fantastic, which I hope we cover one day, which we have not (laughs) covered, which is a great movie. I haven't seen it. Oh, it's really good. Uh, so I've And, heard- fun- yeah. and uh, funny games. You know, like, it's just, like, you've never, I've never heard of it. And at this point, it's, like, what, 14 years old, 13 yeah. years old? I don't know. Yeah. Um, and so just because I've never heard of it, because I, like, listen to a lot of movie podcast and stay kind of hip to this stuff, I would assume that if it was this fucking good, if it was as good as I think it's going to be people would be talking about it more so i'm kind of expecting them to fuck it all up you know like i'm kind of expecting a very unsatisfactory resolution to all of this Mm -hmm. and it just kept not happening Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it's just that good man it is an absolutely over-the-top phenomenal movie that has like no clout like uh, next to none whatsoever
1: yeah that's definitely uh like when I watched it I had never heard of it and since having heard of it I think I've maybe heard or seen like a couple of references to it like it's it's barely ever discussed Um, even within like horror like the circles of like horror enthusiasts and stuff like that Um, would you call this a horror movie would you label it more as a thriller like how would you kind of label this
0: i'd put it in the both and category mm-hmm. um i think i think it's fully thriller and fully horror um i i think both elements are completely there um to me like as someone who doesn't really believe in the supernatural some of the most scary things are like random acts of violence you know just the idea that someone could just ambush you because they like to Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know like that they're motivated differently than most people are motivated most people would not want to do something like this because they have a concept of empathy um they have personal ethics 99 percent of people ever probably have that but then there is ted bundy you know like Mm -hmm. you've got to be aware of like (laughs) what makes you think Ted Bundy doesn't live next door to you? You don't fucking know, right? Like that that's a really scary concept to me. Um so I I would absolutely say there's elements of horror and there's elements of thriller and I just I think it qualifies as both personally. What about you?
1: Um yeah, I would I would definitely say the same thing. Um definitely more of a psychological horror because it's mm-hmm. it exists in such realism that like, as as much as you want to say, like, well, in this situation, I would do X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. Every decision... I feel like... Okay, so I would say Naomi Watts' character, Anne. I feel like she, Anne is the main character. She's kind of our yeah. primary focus. Um, every decision she makes, I don't feel anything she does didn't make sense for her. Or wouldn't have made sense for any like myself in that situation she she makes a lot of decisions that are just like they're not always based on panic or fear they are based on just like feeling out sudden changes in situation um and that's all you can really do and she tries her best i guess uh I,
0: I think they had her pick her spots really well mm-hmm. you know like if she if she chose to comply you 100 percent saw why that was the smartest thing to do in that moment and she she was very a very smart character about when she chose to try to disrupt mm-hmm. um it was it was just you couldn't have done it better and that's why we stay with her and and
1: yeah and then sometimes that just doesn't matter i
0: guess
1: (laughs) well when you're dealing with people like this i guess
0: well it's the true feeling of helplessness and it comes back to what i mentioned you know earlier in the show of the idea that you were ambushed you know like Mm -hmm. that you were not prepared for this and you shouldn't have been you know like you just you shouldn't have expected it there was nothing that would have clued you in that you are in a really dangerous situation um even to the point that like early in the movie she's being a little bit more of an asshole than i might have been just to placate the intrusive house guest yeah and you kind of admire her for being like you know what man how about you fuck off yeah you know because that's kind of like it's kind of what at least for me, I'll, I'll speak for myself. It's those moments that I'm like, you know what? I kind of wish I had the moxie to be like, you know what? You're taking advantage of me, right? Now.
1: I need you to leave. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I, and I probably wouldn't, I would probably just placate the person. Yeah. And so you have this thing you admire in her that it's like, no, she stood up for herself and she, she acknowledged what we're all feeling, but probably wouldn't acknowledge that she's very uncomfortable and wants you to leave. Yeah. And she can't physically force you to do it, but she would like for you to leave and something weird is going on if you don't leave when someone asks you to leave. Right. right? Like, something weird is happening and she clearly hasn't been given the clues of just how weird it is, but she has stood up for herself and said, hey, I don't like this and I want you out of my house. And that's... You're just, you're weirding me out. You're being inappropriate.
1: So, two things. It's like... It's, she's... She doesn't realize she's still kind of playing, maybe not nice, but she's still like "I'm asking you to leave, please go, yeah, but the two most dangerous characters are they're already in the house, like it's already over, they're both in your home, like it's over, yeah. um and then also like you see that her progression to like you were saying, maybe being a little bit more confrontational towards the beginning than maybe you I would have been. And then eventually leaning towards, like, okay, something's off here. You guys need to go. And then yeah. Tim Ross' character, suddenly entering the situation, he's starting from his square one. And she's already to the point of, like, I need you to kick them out of my house now. And he's just, like, he's resets the clock to, well, oh, let's, let's hold on just a second here, like, don't be so upset i'm sure this i'm sure that like let's come to an understanding let's not you know elevate any confrontation but again like i said they're they're in the house they've got a golf club
0: (laughs) yeah there you go um and yeah tim roth did what i'm most likely to do right (laughs) like I'd, i'd be like oh come on be nice um uh, not not in this like chauvinistic way of like uh vanessa just texted me they try to pull the the crazy woman thing which adds to which adds layers to it you know trying to say she's a hysterical housewife and by the way i just invited vanessa to join us because she can clearly hear me and clearly has a lot of interesting thoughts to add to this and here she is Greg, producer cool vanessa this? yeah let's you do done it with this let's do it producer of the motherfucking show vanessa taylor is in the house. And as of this moment, we are sharing earbuds. How are you doing, Vanessa? Now she can oh, hear me. me.
1: Hello. I'm
3: very tired because it is late at night, but I didn't realize that I had things to say about this movie. Surprise motherfucking <laughs>
0: guest, and I think... Hello. We, Vanessa and I had, like, a shared experience watching this last night. Like, we were both so fucking uncomfortable.
3: Yeah, yeah. And I was just kind of thinking about, like, what specifically made me so uncomfortable about, like, that scene that you guys were just talking about of... I mean, I think it's it's been done.
0: Oops, sorry. I'm moving uh, the computer to try to get us uh, equidistant from the mic. I
1: appreciate it.
3: There we go. Is that better? Um, but I, I think it's also, it's been done more often, like, more recently of um, highlighting how much, you know, women are socialized to, like, be nice, to be accommodating, and it, like... Like, I, I don't know how uncomfortable you felt in that scene, but, like, that whole time. Like, I just had this, like, sick feeling. Yeah, Up here. I, raise your hand. Yeah, I, I like, felt just, uncomfortable, like, and I'm very confrontational. The entire time of just being like, oh my gosh, she feels that in her gut, and she wants to trust it so badly, but also wants to be accommodating and, like, be nice because they're friends, and ugh, it's just, it's so brilliant the way that they, like get someone to introduce them like a get a trusted person and that's how they get the other family like it's just so good like yeah. throughout the whole entire thing
0: well that's it's something i really loved about it i've i've often said that like we will abandon our protagonist if they make choices we wouldn't make right mm-hmm. like so you have to you have to have them make choices we would make but if you really want us to root for the protagonist they have to make better choices than we would make and that's really hard to that's really hard to write you know like it's really yeah. hard to write this person made better choices than we would make and so as someone who like i'm a large male and i know that people will be intimidated because of that you know like i know that people will back down from me even though i don't think i could win a fight i've never been in a fight i i can't do a push up i just i don't think i'd fare well despite being big mm-hmm. um Even with all of that privilege, I was like, I would want to tell them to leave, but I probably wouldn't. Yeah. You know, like, I I would probably do the nice thing. I would probably do the socially rewarded thing. And so I see Naomi Watts making better choices than Mm -hmm. I think I would make. You know, like, that I'm like, no, she stood up for herself. Mm -hmm. And very politely and very, very, you know, like, Like, appropriately was like have your eggs, thank you, but by the way, you're being an asshole to me and I know it. Mm -hmm. And you won't acknowledge it, Yeah. but I know you're being an asshole to me. And I probably would not stand up for myself in those Mm -hmm. ways despite my privilege. You know, like I'd probably just keep placating and that's what gets us to really root for her. Yeah. Yeah. She's doing what I wish I would do. She's doing what I wish I had the guts to do.
3: No, I think that that's really true. But it's, and it's like, it's so calculated on their part that they never do anything too outwardly creepy right it's just like these like subtle suggestions that like we feel it as the audience Our you know our protagonists clearly feel it as well that like there's just this undercurrent of discomfort like they're i don't know their faces are too they're all wearing all white Mm -hmm. it emphasizes like just the paleness and like then their lips are too red like it's just they look freaking weird and Mm -hmm. it's unsettling like that's the first thing and then they're like too nice it's like mormon strangers but they want death instead of jesus christ of latter-day saints (laughs) (laughs) that's
1: right i think they're they're really like they're basically like somebody standing in line behind you at walgreens that's like a foot closer than you would like them to be and it's just like they keep they're a little too close and then they answer their phone and they put it on speakerphone and start talking too loud and they're just like piling on little things that like you and I would just eyes forward laser focused you hear it you hate it but you're just trying to get through the situation and carry on yeah. check out carry on through your day but these guys are in your house and it's it's a completely different situation despite those same kinds of feelings and I yeah. think she's a little quicker to the jump on, like, "Hey, okay, it's time to go. It's really time to go. No, seriously, please, it's time to go. Go yeah. away." And ah, mm-hmm. uh, it just.
0: Well, that's 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 the thing that gives you the dread, right? Mm-hmm. It's the. If he were as nice as he's pretending to be... He would have he left. have to say anything more than please leave. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Him not leaving and him gaslighting her about not leaving uh-huh. really shows you, like, hey, there really seems to be something sinister mm-hmm. underneath this, like, facade of politeness. Yeah. And he won't acknowledge it, but you're definitely feeling it. And it comes back to like this is why i'm so glad i didn't watch the trailer i i I told greg i I watched the trailer after and you know that they terrorize these people Mm
2: -hmm.
0: you have this hope that he might leave like Mm -hmm. you don't know that he's staying no matter what Mm -hmm. as someone who went into it cold you have this hope that like you don't know that he's about to hold them hostage all night you know like you just are like all right could be anything could be some weirdo in the neighborhood Maybe he's just a really socially awkward guy that genuinely wants some eggs. You know, like, you have that hope that maybe he's just really weird.
3: Yeah. Maybe yeah. this is, like, a Harbinger situation. Maybe there's something situation. that we don't know that, like, you know, he's got some sort of, like, mental instability. Well, clearly some sort of mental <laughs> instability. But, you know, it seems a little bit less, like, like maybe he's just maybe he's just not on the same yeah, way. Yeah, maybe he like, just doesn't, doesn't
1: understand get... boundaries and that kind of yes, thing. Yes,
3: like, social you, things. You and you're some... like, okay, it's kind of weird, but, like dismissible yeah.
0: you know you have you have plausible deniability in the sense that it's like you know he's behaving inappropriately but maybe he genuinely doesn't understand what's appropriate yes. you know like you yes. have that plausible deniability mm-hmm. that it's like man I just hope she figures out a way to get him to leave Let's yeah ho- he let's clearly let's hope does it's all understand, understand. Yeah, Let, yeah let's hope it's all just
3: a God, big because mis- they look so innocent like yeah. they they do and they present that way so well mm-hmm. Ugh.
1: they're so cordial and then like like i was saying when tim roth came in and kind of like reset the cycle of like let's everybody calm down like reset the politeness uh mm-hmm. timeline like tim roth's character comes in he's like Wow, look at these golf clubs. And he just kind of like resets it again. Yeah. Like, let's get everyone back on like a cordial page. Mm-hmm. He tries to keep that right. going the same way.
0: Well, and it's brilliant because, like at least for me, they signaled all of this. Like, these are rich people uh, that are just like drowning in wealth and privilege. They're going to like this lake house mansion to sailboat and they brought their own sailboat to it. You mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. you're assuming that this is probably a loveless marriage you know like for appearances Mm -hmm. at least i did you have you have so much assumption that like maybe he doesn't take her all that seriously and that kind of gets confirmed when he invalidates her you know and she's like maybe i want them to leave and maybe i have my reasons and Mm -hmm. i wish you would just fucking i wish that would be enough and then she leaves enough for you to be like get the fuck out of this house my wife doesn't like you, but he sides with them. He's like, right? hey, you she's know, like, not
1: feeling great, so yeah. Well, and
3: and I like I like what you said that it's it's a reset, like that really does because I I do feel like they were almost to the point where they they may not have left, but it was getting to be a point where like they were gonna have to do some sort of turn. And you're right, like it really did, like it hit a restart that then they were able to bring it back down and be like, no, 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 the see, we're just being super cordial. You're cordial to us. We're cordial to you. It's a little bit weird, but like your mm-hmm. wife is probably a little crazy. Like she's definitely overreacting. He's so like, we're just asking for eggs, and then it like then it escalates pretty quickly. Well, with he,
1: him. he believes he, them. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. He kind of takes their them side
3: over. Mm-hmm.
0: Which I was like, I was thinking about it, and I was like, dude, if there were strangers in my house and you wanted them gone, I. I just don't think I would need more evidence than that. I would, like, I, get I the nearly fuck out of here. stopped
3: when like one of the times we I don't know if Denny already said that we stopped this movie like fifteen times to like. <laughs> pause and talk about it like while you're watching <laughs> it which is not something that we do with movies no. like that well, is and also
0: to pee which is a which is a fear
3: that response. is something you do a lot during movies during yeah movies. If, um, if your body's
0: getting you ready to fight or run away you want to eliminate all the excess weight and you don't want to have to stop a life threatening situation to go to the bathroom not a lot of people know that but all that goes to say I peed a lot in this movie
3: yeah you did
0: <laughs> sorry I cut you off
3: no 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 you're good Um, but but I almost I almost had that thought to be like Okay, so just setting a bare minimum, like I just want this rule to be out there and spoken. That if this ever were to happen, I want you to just trust. And then I like you didn't have actually exactly, and that's why I didn't say it because right. I like thought through that in my head and I was like, no, we don't need to have that conversation because you would like. I know that you would just take my word for it because we trust each other's guts. Yeah, gets, and, I'd like, be
0: like, my wife doesn't like your vibe. Get the fuck out of my house. I don't fucking know you. I'm yeah. talking with my wife, but he didn't, and that's <laughs> mm-hmm. what's important, right?
1: Yeah. And that's that's why I kind of want to talk about how maybe you guys thought the family was portrayed. Uh, I'm trying to think of other movies like this that maybe did it in a different approach. I can't really think of any off the top of my head. But mm-hmm. this family is perceived, like you were saying, they're kind of portrayed as like a typical rich couple. Like maybe the husband is a little bit dismissive of the wife. Um Like, they get there, and they're frustrated with the dog. They're annoyed with the son. Dad's yelling at the dog, and the kid sees that, so he's yelling at the dog, too. Like, they're not really portrayed as, like, the, you know, just happy-go-lucky, everything's fine sort of family. Totally cohesive. I feel like... But
0: you also see that cool, like, the guess the song game in the car. like. Mm -hmm they give you some like hints that it's like hey these people don't hate each other. Yeah, it, it's not it's not like it's also not the fulfilling marriage you would hope you would have.
1: It's not a completely it's not a relationship between the three of them that's completely devoid of like substance. It's just and it's also like not teetering on the edge of like all falling apart, but it's just like maybe like a touch rocky at worst.
0: Well, it it, it seems like, sorry, go
1: ahead.
3: I was just like the word that was coming up for me is that like everything about them is inoffensive Mm. like in in every way their clothing is boring like just (laughs) you know it's not like it's not bad it's like clearly they have like nice things but they like they have an image that they're maintaining and I think part of that is like we're the inoffensive family we listen to soft classical music of course, you know, this artist, it's Giovaldi number seven, or, you know, whatever, like, oh, yeah, but which Giovaldi number seven? Is it Seasons of Life, or is it, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. they're clearly kind of snobby about the things that they like, so they're like, you know, they, like, they they show us that they're, like, educated about things, but the entire time, I just kept getting this idea of, like, they are inoffensive, which also plays into why they accommodate people in the way that Mm -hmm. they do, why he, like, doesn't automatically just take his wife's side, I just you know, they've got one kid, one dog, you know, they've got a boat, they've got a nice house, they've got all these different things. They don't have as nice of a security system as the other people, their neighbors, so like maybe they're a little bit less the ones at the more grounded. at the end
1: of the movie? Those neighbors?
3: Uh the ones at the beginning slash the end. Not not across the boat, like across the lake guys. Oh, okay, like, okay. The house that the kid goes to yeah, to yeah be yeah. in, because there's, like, all the lights. Like, the security system keeps, like, coming on with the lights and stuff, like, mm-hmm. showing his position the entire yeah. time. He
1: was... Um, little Georgie was not good at panic hiding, I gotta say. He
3: really Dude, was not. Okay. He, he hid in front of, an, like, a glass fucking door.
1: And I know what you're gonna no, say, Denny. We, we talked about it already, where I don't feel like any decision made in a panic situation was made in the character that I see making these decisions is making the decisions I would expect that character to make and I know that's kind of what you're going to say because he's like what 11 12 year old kid
0: maybe even younger probably you younger uh, it's actually not what I'm going to say believe it or not
1: ah (laughs)
0: um so, what I did love about when he ran, there's this concept in wrestling, like, there's a there's a part in every match where uh, the bad guy just starts laying into the good guy. Mm. Um, and there's a Ricky Steamboat teaching, anyone who knows Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, that every three to five moves, the good guy needs to show signs of life. Mm. Like, he can't just keep getting his ass kicked and expect us to, you know, cheer for him. He needs to give us a little, like... I'm still in this. I'm rallying. And even if he gets cut off, he needs to show some signs of, like, I'm still in this fight. Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, like, we're just getting heat on the heels in this movie. Just, like, they are just owning our protagonist. Just, like, completely domineering, humiliating, and degrading them. And the Mm -hmm. protagonist can't do anything about it. I thought Georgie running happened at the exact moment where our baby faces needed to show some signs of life and then and this is really what keeps this from being like a truly perfect movie for me that was a moment where i really felt like i needed him to show some sort of herculean carnal show of strength that was a moment where i was like i don't want to see him do what my bitch ass would do when i was 11 (laughs) i want to see him do something better than that and it's like he can't get over the fence. And I'm like... I, I said it out loud when we were watching. Oh, like, Dude, man. Dude, get a fucking adrenaline rush. Get over that fucking fence. Yeah. I could have climbed it he, on my he was, day, he, was he was almost there,
1: too. He was almost over that he gate. he didn't even
0: try to, like, leverage himself. And then, like, his, he's always... I think
3: that's honestly, like, a downfall of, like the the film crew like like the director there because he his legs were long enough like yeah, that kid he, he we, that we, we sat in that shot a little bit too long that all three of us were like he could have made it you mm-hmm. know like he was clearly tall enough he was clearly like so close to being over it he even tried twice and his leg was like up there And then it's like he just said nah thanks i'm gonna back back down new idea i think i think that was just the director like not that doesn't sound like something that a kid would do like i think that they would figure out how to get out of that like gate for sure um yeah
0: i I don't think he was frantic enough in his flight yeah I, i he was pretty based and pretty cognizant and i was like dude that is just literally not the way our, like, survival instincts work. It, it honestly took me out of it, and I, I didn't think it was, like, a total wash of a sequence, but I was like, man, you had such just S-tier tension, yeah. and I really think you broke it with that sequence. Yeah. I
1: think... Also, can I just... Yeah,
3: I, I don't know. Did you guys, the entire time, I kept waiting for them to get on the fucking boat, because I knew that the boat was going to come back into it, yeah. and I was like hobble your husband to the goddamn boat like put your kid the kid knows how to sail the boat now like we had that whole montage of like him helping his dad knowing how to like sail the boat by himself and like doing it together i don't think i just kept thinking why doesn't someone take the boat
1: i don't think they were given the opportunity at all because by the time uh the couple would have got down there the kid had already died and tim roth had already had his kneecap smashed Sure. We don't know if Anne can sail the boat or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it could have come into play, but I just I don't think they had any sort of opportunity to really make a make a move towards that. Especially with how slow, you know, you got to untie it from the dock, you got to like raise the sails, you got to untie this. Like, it it would have been.
3: Sure. Yeah. I guess that's I true. Mean, like being a sailboat is a little different than just like jumping into a I don't know rowboat I, I or like motorboat. Yeah. Been... Cast it off of there, and like pushed away from the fucking dock, started rowing with my hands, and then get the sailboat up midway through the lake. Maybe that's just me. Like it
0: it didn't even occur to me, but it probably should have. And this is just another example of why you're smarter than me. Swimming something like I
3: immediately thought the kid was going to go in the water and like swim somewhere else because I was like, you need to get away a couple of houses over. Yeah, I don't know. That was just like my thought process. I found myself frustrated that they didn't hobble Tim Roth down to the boat because I was like, one, like you're saying, the adrenaline, like the entire time I was like, yeah, his leg is sore, like it, it is broken and it fucking hurts. But like you rally feats of strength, man. Like they when happen. you feel like yeah,
0: mothers lift cars to save their babies. absolutely. Like, <laughs> they brace it with
3: death tape and shit. Listened. Like kids
1: race boats to save their parents.
3: Yeah, yeah, or you can hobble outside or like drag him. Drag his ass to that boat. I don't know. I just the entire time I was like, "Get in the boat! Get uh, in the goddamn boat!"
0: For for me, that's fridge logic, and that's to me. you're sure. you're smarter than me, and you <laughs> you you think ahead of the movie, and I just I just intake it. Yeah. Um, I have a rule that I give a pass to fridge logic, which for those who are uninitiated, fridge logic is when you watch Pirates of the Caribbean, you loved it, you had a great time, you go home, you open your fridge to see if there's anything good in there, and you're like, "Wait a minute." shouldn't it have taken them like several months to get from port to port mm. <laughs> wait just a minute you know and i'm like I, i'm always like you know what if you got me out of the theater without me thinking about it i'll let it go yeah but that's like clearly yeah, i was thinking smarter. it in
3: the <laughs> in the middle of, is that your yeah okay that's your foot yeah
0: so. I, I it honestly wouldn't have occurred to me if you didn't say it right now So it's definitely Uh, beyond fridge logic for me. Yeah. But it's a very valid point. (laughs) Yeah. I wanted to bring up how, so I actually think that plays into something I really love about this movie and kind of getting into the self-aware elements, which were minimal, but very effective in Mm, this movie. So well done. Um, They keep, they, they tell you what to expect and they just never give it to you. Like, they have so much dead space that I was constantly looking in. You know, like, there's so many shots where a character's in front of a window. Yes. And you're expecting to see something in that window, and it never happens. Um, Even to the point of, like, when the the killers leave, you hear the car backing out Mm -hmm. really clearly. And the whole time, at least for me, I'm waiting to hear the car pull back in. And they never give you that. They, yeah. they skip the part where the car pulls in, and you just hear the golf ball roll down the floor. And you're like, oh, fuck. You know, like, they, they keep telling you what to expect, and then they don't deliver it. And that that's part yeah. of the mind fuck for me.
3: Yeah. But he also, like, wasn't he... I mean, I guess I, I'm wondering if our character would have heard the car come back in. I, I thought it was It pretty... seemed like he didn't. Oh, okay yeah
0: because hes he's on the phone he's trying to call yeah that's normal, that's what right? I'm saying, like yeah. he
3: didn't hear it, so we didn't hear it either like, no,
0: and that that's what's brilliant yeah. about it, you know like they they I don't know to me they they told me this is how you know they're gone. You mm-hmm. heard the car roll away, and this movie is so quiet, it's so silent, yeah. um that I'm like, I know I'm gonna hear that car pulling back into the driveway, and I'm gonna panic when I hear it, and that's how I'm gonna know they're back, mm. and then they just don't give me that. You know, like, they just, they skip the part where that happens and they're yeah. already in the house. It happened in the story, but it mm-hmm. didn't happen in what I saw of the story and what I heard of the story. And to me, I'm like, the boat could even play into that. That they, like, showed you these characters have this obvious way out and you're expecting them to do it. Mm-hmm. And then they just never do it. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. that's, that's part of the, like, the self-aware scare, mm-hmm. right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Greg, this Mm -hmm. is your movie, and we're talking a lot about it, man.
1: Hey, man. Uh, I guess I want to talk about kind of after the turn of realizing who we're dealing with. Uh, I want to talk about our two antagonists. They're kind of discussing. They're like giving backstory. We've talked a lot about uh, unreliable narrators in movies. What do you think about these guys being unreliable... Antagonists, and they're giving like backstories, and they're like, actually, that's not true. So here's this, like, you're not by the end of it, you're not really even sure what their names are. Like, yeah. yeah, they're they're switching stories, and they're saying, actually, that's not true. Here's our motivation. Nah, he's actually going to school for this. Or like, like they mentioned that the one guy is gay. Like, you're not even sure if that's true. Mm-hmm. Like.
0: They, sorry, go ahead. They
1: they have all this ample opportunity, like, to give, like it's it's just you and your victims. You can tell them why, but they give them like five reasons that could be true as to why, but they never really give that reason. So they never give us that reason. So <laughs> I'm not sure if any if it was true. I think it only serves to confuse us even further as to like what's really going on and what their motivation is and i I don't think it matters really what their motivation is
0: i mean to quote scream motives are overrated Mm -hmm. um but also like this is something that, that that terrified me when i i decided to follow vanessa down a rabbit hole of like true crime stuff um getting into like the east area rapist so, I, I, I have PTSD, and it's really easy to startle me, and I, I look for the worst things that could possibly be happening, and if I wake up and hear a noise, my fight or flight is immediately activated. And a way that I'll calm myself down is being like, hey man, people don't usually break into houses while they think people are home. Um, someone probably wouldn't want to come into your house and like terrorize and torture you. Um, uh, they if they were going to break into your house, they'd want to steal your stuff and they probably wouldn't do it while two cars were in the driveway, right? You know, like, that that's how I'll, like, calm myself down when I wake up in a panic. Mm-hmm. But something that'll get in my brain is I'll be like, but then there is the East Area Rapist. Mm. You know, like, there is... <laughs>
1: and I'm no longer calm.
0: Right, exactly. <laughs> like, it's like, there's something that is truly horrifying that there is a very rare but a non-zero possibility that someone likes to torture people Mm -hmm. and wanted you to be home and wanted to torture you yeah and you don't know for sure that that is not happening and that is a really scary thought and that's what their lack of motive plays into
3: yeah Um, when and i like that they they try to do because i think like with true crime, you know, pop psychology things like that, like very much in the now. Um it's we it it goes into that motive of like, you know, talking about it, so many of these serial killers and things like that like have really tragic childhoods. Mm-hmm. Um they have really tragic backstories. They've had, you know, countless traumas throughout their life. Um which does not excuse their, you know, murder and rape and etc. um but can give some context for traumatization um, and things like that. And so I think them giving kind of a like fabricated sob story at the beginning of like, well, he was, you know, like this guy's been traumatized and blah, blah, blah. And that's why like, he just can't, Mm -hmm. he just can't function when reality, um, I think kind of plays into like, that is more, that's more acceptable for your audience. And then they just keep twisting it. Like Greg is saying, like they keep changing it and they're like, ah, actually that's not true. Uh, nah, well, okay, so it's probably this. Like, we're med students, we're just like, you know, we're kind of crazy and insane, and like, ah, yeah, that might not be true either. And it yeah. just like keeps, just it, what reinforced to me is that like, this is just truly like antisocial person, like, that they just do not have any sort of yeah. like care about the people. And anyone outside of themselves, even with each other, like mm-hmm. I don't think that if they were to turn on each other, that there would actually be any sort of like no don't care about, care about the yeah no about each other as anything more than like we do this together, so that way we can be a little less creepy than just one person showing up.
0: Well, yeah, and you know, there's there's this absolute refusal to humanize them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, honestly, the best thing you get for hu- for their motive is, like, this entertains them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, from an emotional perspective, the story about, uh, like, because one of them seems more unstable. You know, like, it's clear that one of them's pinky and one of them's the brain. Yeah. You know, like, um, the guy with the kind of shaggier, greasier hair seems more. Tubby. Un- yeah, tubby, tubby. He keeps getting called tubby and seems to be genuinely bothered by that. Mm-hmm. He seems to be kind of the pawn, and uh, and the the straight haired guy is the player. Um, from an emotional perspective, the one that seemed to resonate was the like the backstory about um, him being gay and fucking his mother, which yeah. is you know, also kind of contradictory in and of itself. Um, <laughs> but he responded to that in a way that felt really genuine. You know, but it's really there's so many lies and so many conflicting stories that you're just like I don't know what to believe, and that to me that's the true horror of it. Yeah, is that like this could just be they do this because they like to exactly right. That's, that's yeah, yeah. I mean. like that's they, like they they what do I do felt it. like I was yeah.
3: left with was like they they have no motive, they do not care, they do this because they like it, and if they're going to continue throughout the entirety of this like lake as more and more people come, because that's the vibe of this lake, is that they check in, like, all the families check in with each other when they get there, and I don't know, do we know, was it, like, a holiday weekend or something like that? Like, I don't I'm not, I'm I, I not sure remember, if I am not sure. like, said... the specific premise, but, like, clearly more people were coming up to the cabins, and I just feel like it was what I was left with at the end, was just this dread that, like, well, eventually we're gonna meet another family, and this is going to continue until they get bored. Yeah. Until they, like, get, you know they either run through every family that's coming out there or they just get bored and leave and it could be in the middle of killing a family or it could be you know after they've killed the entire town Mm -hmm. no one is to know except for them
1: i do like that it seemed like everybody was even like the families you don't necessarily see it seems like every family is going to say the same thing like well, we mentioned to these guys that we're going to be coming by in, uh, sometime this evening, so you better get out of here. And it's just like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: no, they're not. Even if they do, what what the fuck are they going to do? Yeah, they, they really, they use a whole lot of uh, different examples, just like, or different tactics, sorry, to really show how in control they are. And no matter how much posturing that the families do, there's just, there's no getting through to them. They don't, like, these characters don't feel fear. Even if there maybe was a real threat to them, I don't think they would really feel that fear. Um, I think they mentioned, like, oh, you're saying they're on the way, or maybe the cops are going to be on their way. Well, that just adds to the pressure, doesn't it? That just makes it more fun. Or, like, adds to the entertainment. And they'll even look at the camera and say, like, you guys like this, right? Like you're, you're entertained being us, being the audience, uh,
3: Chilling just, (laughs) yeah, the first time that happens, like, yeah, I feel like we both were just like, Oh my God. I have Um,
0: never felt more like a character was looking at me than in this movie. mm -hmm. Never in my life have I truly felt like someone on a screen saw me. And understood how I felt mm-hmm. and was talking to me, holy
1: shit, yeah, and Michael Pitt is the actor that's playing uh Paul the straight haired yeah. guy and it it really does feel like he's looking at us the same way he's looking at the family too, so he's he knows how we feel, and he understands what we might have to say, but he's treating it with the same regard as he is to the family, yeah. yeah it's
0: he doesn't care about us he's mocking us he's being like oh you're rooting for them aren't you yeah
3: Mm
2: -hmm. he's like like, well watch this so (laughs) yeah
3: oh do you want some plot development like let's give a little bit of stakes and some plot development Mm -hmm. is that like i found myself in that moment just being like yeah this like before he said that which is again it's like so brilliant the way that this movie is laid out and the pacing of it that like i found myself being like yeah if that's it I mean, it's like, this has been a really good movie, but also, is that it? And then they come in and say, nope, no it's not. (laughs) Here's some plot development. We know you've been wanting it. And I'm like, ah, get out of my head. You creepy blonde Aryan child. He
0: successfully knew what I was thinking and feeling.
3: Exactly.
1: He accomplishes a lot with just a look.
3: Yes.
0: I didn't even notice the first one until I started watching some YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. I was so focused on a... Naomi Watts looking for the dog that I didn't even notice he looks right at the camera and just like kind of winks. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like, yeah, I noticed that, and I, I, I watched some YouTube videos to kind of deconstruct this a little bit for me earlier today.
3: Mm-hmm. Ooh.
1: Yeah, Ooh. the... Um, the... Uh, what was it? The her description of the plot is basically... Uh, what does it say it basically says it's like a deconstruction of uh the way violence is portrayed in media Mm -hmm. i'm not really sure how well i followed that necessarily um especially because like the a lot of the violence is not shown on screen a lot of it just happens, and you maybe you 'll hear it a lot of the times, but you 're not going to see a lot of the violence honestly, um, almost
3: none of it happens on screen now that I'm thinking about it, like we see quick shots right afterwards of like we don't see his knee get broken, we see him swing you know the the whatever the, uh, the golf, golf club, club. Mm-hmm. yeah, but like we don't see it connect, we don 't see either of the shots happen, like we don't mm-hmm. see any of the knife stabs or anything like that like we see the aftermath but we don't see any of that violence we
1: we do see a character get shot but it is quickly undone
3: yeah yes that's the only (laughs) time that we really see any violence on screen Mm -hmm. i like that Mm -hmm. yeah that it's like and that that goes into too like they're they're totally in control that entire time that he's able to literally rewind it and play it the way that he wants it to happen that's
1: that's the moment that if anybody had any hope for any of the uh the family members, like that should have just thrown that right in the trash was yeah, like absolutely it,
3: it did for me for sure, yeah, oh
1: yeah, like your antagonist can literally rewind the movie and make it go the way that they wanted it to go, mm-hmm. so don't get your hopes up about anything else,
3: yeah. yeah, I did find myself with a tiny bit of hope that um that Anne would or right her name was Anne. Mm-hmm. yeah that was it a... yeah. yeah that Anne would like somehow get out of her bonds like in the lake But then i was like honestly would she even want to fight anymore at that but like would i want to fight anymore at that point like i don't know I-, I don't know that i would if my entire family was gone i've been tortured for 24 hours and then wrapped up in you know ropes and more duct tape like... and thrown off of
1: she was about to fall asleep like the scene before like she's completely exhausted.
3: Yeah, yeah. just shock overload like her body is literally shutting down. Like, yeah.
1: She's completely spent and she's like mm-hmm. she does grab the knife and like meagerly attempt to like kind of cut the rope but uh maybe she could have got through if they didn't notice but that wasn't going to happen.
3: Yeah.
0: Um what were they talking about? on the boat they talk about like some like story world or something did anybody pick that up uh
1: i don't i don't remember it
3: it was very meta they were talking about like uh, because i i remember it was like super interesting um because it's like they were talking about it being like i think reality and like Giving also like a nod to the audience to you because we're experiencing it as it like there's a distance and like a I think a were they talking about how there's like we're experiencing it in the real time, but it's also what we're seeing you know in the movie, so like is it truly being experienced or is it being observed, and when do they blend together mm-hmm. um, and
1: then they throw her off the boat yeah, <laughs> yeah, and
3: then they like but it's also like it's us that like yeah we're experiencing them this with them but it's also we're watching it but are we experiencing it i don't know yeah Who? and then they're just like i don't know whatever shove her off the boat i actually am hungry mm-hmm. let's go find something like, we else. got
1: an hour but... to win the bet it's like well mm-hmm. you know i'm pretty hungry ha, me too yeah. anyways carrying on yeah
0: yeah yeah man the, the fucking sociopathy underneath all mm-hmm. the politeness. As mm-hmm. someone who was raised in communities like this and saw the sociopathy in these communities, that really resonated with me.
1: Do these guys ever sleep? Because they immediately go from house to house, starting a whole new cycle. It doesn't seem like they get any sleep.
3: They should also sleep. Well, smell when you're on bad. that much fucking cocaine and shit probably or like whatever they're on they're on a fuck ton of stimulants uh Mm -hmm. i'm sure um yeah
0: fuck i meant to look this up i just found one of my notes the the shirt that naomi watts gets I wrote that it was immersion breaking because I'm ninety percent sure it's the shirt from Billy Madison that belongs to the character Frank. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I, meant to, I meant to Google the movie. I think it so. was just
3: supposed to be like she grabbed some she grabbed her pants and just the first shirt, uh, that sweater, she yeah. In the bag. yeah. Yeah.
0: Um dude, I really wanted to uh I wanted to talk about how Naomi Watts deserves a fucking Oscar for this performance.
3: Yeah, she did great. She it did was awesome.
0: S-tier. Mm-hmm. She was so unbelievably emotive and showed just, like, range and true peril and did all these, like, ugly snot cries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I was like, call fucking Ari Aster and tell him that Naomi Watts did Daylight Horror first. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Dude. Like
0: I was like, damn, this is fucking amazing. Her
1: transition from like fear to acceptance was so unnerving and believable. Mm-hmm. Like, so many scenes just like I said, they don't really show a lot of the violence. They'll, the scene will just live on her face. It won't yeah. show what's happening. It'll just show her reaction to what's happening. And she carries mm-hmm. so many scenes where the focus is just her character's reaction to what's going on around her. Mm-hmm. And she does an incredible job with it.
0: Yeah. Uh, not not to belabor a topic, because I do kind of get the impression that we're naturally winding down on this. Um, something we've talked about before that this movie really broke a taboo on, one of the few absolutely do not do these things left in Hollywood is violence towards children. Mm. Um, this movie, they didn't show it, but they showed you some really gruesome aftermath of violence towards a child. How did
3: y'all Multiple feel? Multiple children. That? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh it, it felt like it fit with the film, honestly. Yeah. I did like, too.
3: I, I think it like really the bleakness of like that's who they killed first, mm-hmm. right? Like.
0: Ooh.
3: And and what I what well, I was a game
0: changer moment. And, mm-hmm. Well, and
3: and something that they said and I, don't, I don't know if you guys talked about this earlier or not. Um, but something that they said when they started talking about that bet is that like even if they win, like even if the family wins, they're going to do so much harm that they will not win. Mm-hmm. That they will never be able to get over this. Mm-hmm. That like they're going to die like a part of them is still going to Mm -hmm. die and so they still win and so by killing their son like even if that couple was able to get out like i what i feel like what they were trying to show us and what i got a sense of was like just tim roth's character feeling so much shame and like Weakness, Like, they take him out immediately, and any strength that he could have had is just, like, immobilized. Like, any sort of, like, father, protector, like, masculine energy that he had was just really robbed from him from the immediate get-go. Like, he lashes out one time, he slaps him in the face, and they immediately, literally take him out of the knee. Mm -hmm. Like, um, and just that, I think that's the piece, too, that, like, they would still have one had we seen the fallout of that family that like yeah I think that they probably could have held it together for a while and maybe you know gotten counseling gotten through the loss of a child the trauma that they both experienced but like him okaying them degrading his wife like you just see on her face like the pain the shame the anger that she felt of like just being really abandoned by him in that moment I don't know I just thought it was really really well done the way that they like showed that as well that like they would have never been the same even if they had survived. Yeah. They would have survived with like their physical bodies but their lives would have been irrevocably changed. Mm-hmm. And that
1: shows when um when the guys go out on their little drive or whatever and they're trying to blow dry the cell phone, call 911, they they just decide like Anne's just going to make a run for it. She's going to just try to escape and she's up on the counter about to jump out the window because the door's locked, and Tim Roth, instead of saying a lovey, he says, please forgive me. Mm -hmm. So that that just shows exactly what you're saying. Like, everything that's happened, like, don't, like, once you know I'm dead and you've gone on from here to live your life, like, please don't (laughs) remember me uh, for what I've done here these last, like, 12 hours or so and then they share some I love you's so
0: yeah yeah but I mean like as a man in those moments and just like understanding all these concepts I'm socialized into I've been like man I can't imagine feeling more shame than just like being completely neutralized while this is happening to my family and feeling responsible for it and feeling like I should be doing something about this and just knowing that like these dudes have truly cut my balls off Mm -hmm. that just like my wife and my son are going to be degraded in front of me and eventually murdered you know like there would be this whole other layer of like me thinking i'm supposed to be strong yeah supposed to be the guy who could kick their asses and Mm -hmm. they just fucking ambushed me and won yeah and now we're all in the fallout of this and i would feel like it was a personal failure you know like and and I think we're watching this movie and we fully understand that that's not really fair.
2: Mm-hmm. You
0: know, like, that's not fair for him to feel this way. He shouldn't have to, but he does, you know? and Yeah. Um, back to violence towards children. <laughs> um, well, something I wanted to reiterate that I've said in our, in our Friday the 13th episode, right? Like, a, a weakness of Friday the 13th Part 4 is that on some level, you know... Corey Feldman's the protagonist, he's a child, Jason mutilates people, and we're not going to see a child get mutilated. Mm -hmm. Right? You know, And and I I very much affirmed that I was like, and I don't need to see that. In the rare exception that you are going to make a movie that fully acknowledges and tastefully handles how horrific violence towards children is, Mm -hmm. don't do it. It's a taboo that I don't think usually needs to be broken. In this movie, it fully acknowledged the absolutely gut wrenching horror of losing a child yeah. of violence towards a child um i felt sick to my stomach this whole movie and mm-hmm. i think i was supposed to and also that moment when they kill the kid first you know that anything can happen yeah all bets are off like you just know that like every rule that you've ever implicitly known about what can happen in a movie doesn't count mm-hmm. it like to me i was like I feel so gross even saying like that was the time to do it. That was the moment to do violence towards a child. But I was <laughs> like this movie this movie portrayed the absolute horror of that so well and how fucked up it is and also used it as a way of like completely unnerving you and just telling you that like anything can happen from here on out. Yeah. The thing that you thought was impossible just happened.
3: Yeah, fuck absolutely. and it was just
0: gross. It was fucking gross to look at. Disgusting.
3: Yeah. I I also like on the other like not the other side of that but like as a slight alternative, just a little like squiggle off of that. Um I did find myself a little bit relieved that, you know, that kid didn't have to like like violence against children like it was incredibly unsettling and sad and like seeing the parents go through that but like yeah, I think there's also some relief in that kid not being tortured for any longer. Yeah. You know, of, like, what they were going to continue to use him. And that, that's, like, we see Paul get kind of mad at um, whatever his name is, Tubby, or whatever. Like, it seemed like he wanted to keep the kid in play for longer. Mm-hmm. That, like, he he wanted that to be, like, the fear of a parent with a child yeah. longer and was upset that he killed him first. Um Unless I'm misunderstanding that scene. No, but that I, that, that, that's that, feel,
1: I, that feels right, yeah.
3: Yeah, um, but that, like, that kid kind of, not the easy way out, but, like, he was spared more psychological torture throughout that, that, like, and, mm-hmm. and I think the other kids, too, like, we see, you know, I guess we, do we see, like, the very beginning... We know that that other couple has a kid because the the boy talks about like wanting to see the daughter, yeah, yeah, and like she never comes out. I I wonder too if that's what happened with the daughter because then we see her body like mm. that's who the kid finds in the bathroom is mm-hmm. the little girl, um, but like we see, I think we we see both the parents outside with the with the two guys at the beginning of the movie, yeah. And so like it it seems like that maybe is kind of their pattern. or maybe we don't see the wife. I, I can't really remember, but I know that we see the husband, um, and they ask where the kid is too and so yeah. Man, violence against children on both of those sides. Oof.
0: It is again, I I I you know, I fuck around and act jaded on this podcast a lot and I just super am not jaded of that and want to clarify just how unsettling and horrific that was to see, Um, and that I do think that Funny Games uh, used it appropriately, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, I really do. I I, I don't fault them for that. Um, I think it was meant, it was treated as something horrific and disgusting and absolutely awful, Mm -hmm. and it created this horrible sense of fear. Um, yeah. I, I thought they did it. I don't want to say tastefully because I wanted to throw up. Respectfully. <laughs> Respectfully, sure. Yeah, I think... Uh, they didn't, like, turn it into this theater of the macabre. You know? Yeah, it was they... like,
3: it was the... It's, it's the horror that no one wants to go to because it's too real, right? Like, it's war movies, things like that. Like, what yeah. is more tragic than, like, seeing young life ended so soon, you know? And so, like, senselessly. Yep. Like you know it and any any loss of life i think is really tragic you know if we go to that but there's like other horror movies kind of they give us reasons and it's like a little easier to digest but like there is something about just that innocence lost yeah that that is true horror that is not not entertaining in any way. It is just horrifying. No, it,
0: it, it accelerated the movie instead of, like, taking me out of it by being, like, mm-hmm. you stepped over a line. You yeah. know, like, yeah, it, yeah. it accelerated what I was supposed to be feeling mm-hmm. in that movie. And uh, definitely showed the absolute trauma and tragedy of that. Like, didn't didn't take it lightly. You right, know? Like, right. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And, and it, I think it would have been really different had we, like, seen them, like... Or, like, heard them, like, torturing a child. Like, the the quick end of such a young life, too, I think was really significant as well. But, like, it was one shot and a scream. Yeah. And that's all that we saw. And then we just saw, like, the aftermath of that. And I think that's also, like, it, it would have sat very, very differently if they had, like, cut up a child with a knife, you know, and yeah. made us, like, listen to that and the parent. Like, that would have been... That would
0: have felt... Disgusting, it would have been exploitative, and, yeah. it would have
3: felt, like, just grotesque. I feel sick shock, even, like... Shock,
0: horror. Yes, right, like, like
3: yeah. I, I feel, like, ill even, like, thinking that through, like, seeing that scene or hearing that, like, I would have... I think I probably would have walked out of the yeah. of of like our living room.
0: It would have felt cheap and mm-hmm. just like you know, functionally like watching a snuff film. Even yeah. if you knew it yeah. was fake, you would have been like, I don't need these images in my brain. Absolutely, I don't want to. I don't want to see this anymore. I don't want to mm-hmm. support this. I don't want to. I don't want to cosign this happening exactly. as something that's okay to do on screen. And I, I think they they really hit the right spot between like absolutely disgusting their audience without
3: alienating them.
0: Mm-hmm. Damn. This shit got somber, man. Yeah. Fuck.
3: You picked a really good movie, Greg. Greg, this
0: is I do one what of the I best movies I've ever watched in my life.
3: I I don't like the end scene, when we are talking about, like, them staring at, like, like, locking eyes of the audience, I could not hold eye contact uh, with the end scene. I also, like, you talked about how dissonant that soundtrack was. Like, it 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 was too long. The, the last one, they made me sit through it at the beginning, and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm coming out of, I'm crawling out of my skin at this. Yeah. And then just, like, the dead stare straight into the camera, into our souls with the, like, whatever noise core screamo shit bullshit music that's not real music <laughs> fuck that
0: shit um so so greg i'm feeling self-conscious because this is kind of your thing i feel like and we have we have kind of dominated the air i want to give you a platform to share your thoughts
1: uh my thoughts are i'm exhausted and i have to pee yeah.
0: me too I have to pee. <laughs> um let's let's do gimmicks yeah um okay um greg what is your favorite wink to the audience
1: uh it's gotta be the first time michael pitt looks right into the camera uh it's my least favorite it if not for that it would be my least favorite scene with the dog dying rest in peace lucky but his his look into the camera is just like you guys know and then we do know it's it's unnerving and it really it's also just so cool
0: they make us away he's not,
1: not cool the, the character's not cool but like the way they did it is just like mm-hmm. it it it's what part of what makes this movie
0: what it is Vanessa what's your favorite ooh favorite wink to the audience
3: um honestly i think e- either that first one or the rewind like that got the biggest pop for me was like the rewind um, mm-hmm. where i was just like all hope is lost. Oh my gosh! And any nothing can actually affect these guys because they can change the outcome of anything to fit their needs.
0: I'll go with uh, something you just touched on. Was the uh, the freeze frame where he on the on the roll credits where he is staring into our souls? <sighs> I was literally watching that and I was like, if I saw this in a theater, I think I would just run out of the theater. I don't think I could sit, like, it's one thing to see it in the environment of my own home. You know, like, it's one thing to, like, have control of that remote and still feel, like, some sense of intrigue. If this was on, like, a 50-foot silver screen in front of me, I picture myself just fucking bolting. (laughs) Like, yeah, I, like, legitimately feel like I might have just, like, sprinted out of the theater and been like, I can't do this anymore. He's looking right at me. I want out of this environment
1: uh what's your favorite line for this one denny
0: my favorite line from this movie ciao bella
1: oh my god sploosh
0: Ooh. Ooh. that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> bella is my favorite line
1: vanessa you, do you even have one
3: I I did not take that note. Um, yeah, <laughs> there were some really significant ones, but I'm not going to try to pull one out of nowhere. Yeah, I don't. I I didn't like take note of a favorite line.
1: Yeah, I wasn't sure if there was any that you even really liked. So <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, I, I I forgot about the chowbell until you just said it. But that was like just the the nonchalance and dismissiveness of that like yeah. that whole scene was.
0: This is nothing. Yeah, the person you care about most in this movie, fucker.
3: Mm-hmm. This
0: is nothing. Later, slut. That's how I say goodbye to people, is later sluts, by the way. He does he it all the nuts. time. He's not a slut. That's
1: true. He says it to me a lot. <laughs> uh, mine is, of course, where's the fucking remote control? Oh. Because you're just like, wait, what? what is he talking about? And then it's yeah. too late.
0: <laughs> I legitimately thought, because of the way like NASCAR is obnoxiously on when we're looking at like dead bodies. Ah, uh, yeah. I thought... They were about to do this meta commentary where he, like, self-soothed himself by turning the TV on, and he's, like, dependent on that. Mm. I had no idea how fucking meta it was going to get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like, I just had no idea what we were in for in that moment. Oh. Yeah.
1: I'm yeah. oh, sorry. I Denny. Kind just
0: had Vanessa on the shoulder, and she didn't like it.
3: <laughs> it really startled me, and it was kind of hard. It's fine. Sorry, it's but... all good.
1: How would you rate this movie, Denny? on 48 your scale out of 50. 48, out, 48 of 50. out of
0: 50 that's a solid score. rating
1: uh mine's gonna be a 36 out of 40 the highest of the episode one of the higher ones of the of the show for me just i bumped it up a single point i had it like at a 35 but i bumped it up to a 36 on this rewatch um it would be a little higher i think we lived in that scene a little too long where uh it's just that one single shot after the two guys leave and naomi watts like hops over and turns off the tv and then goes to the kitchen and undoes her tape and then comes back and picks up tim roth and kind of consoles him like it's it's really good and really well done but like stuff like that just felt like it was maybe about two minutes too long and yeah just i will always dock a point for a dog dying so that doesn't help
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i I agree with that scene that one felt a little like just a smidge too long yeah not too much but just like yeah i felt the
0: same about georgie's chase scene um all that goes to say I entered this mode where I was like, this is S tier. Now I'm nitpicking, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like I'm like, yeah, exactly. It, it's, it's not perfect, but it is damn near close. And I already know that. And that's why I'm being, I'm having extra scrutiny. Cause I'm going to see if I'm going to like give this the same rating as Casablanca or the shining, you know, mm-hmm. like sure. I'm, I'm really, it, it enters another realm where I'm like, now I'm really going to analyze you because you could get that 50. You know, like, Mm -hmm. you could get that five stars from me. You're definitely in in orbit of that. Um, And it didn't quite hit it, but hot damn 48 is not an insult for me. Absolutely not. That is a high, (laughs) high compliment. And, dude, I am a fan of any movie that makes me feel something that no movie has ever made me feel before. And even talking about this movie, I'm feeling what I felt when I watched it last night. I've never felt that dreadful stress. Um, that dreadful yeah. stress and just that like discomfort in watching a movie, man. And not in like a not in a I'm so uncomfortable I want to turn it off. Like I'm uncomfortable, but I've gotta stick with it type mm-hmm. of feeling. I can't think of anything that has ever made me feel like funny games in that way.
1: Hell yeah, man. No, I'm I'm in the same I'm in the same boat. Unfortunately, I'm about to get thrown out of it. Uh, Denny,
0: damn, damn. <laughs> ciao Bella,
2: ciao Bellas. <laughs> uh,
1: Denny, do you want to borrow a few eggs and drop them on a catchphrase for us?
0: We're not even to the catchphrase. We're you're you're getting ahead of. Me, oh so. yeah,
1: you're right. Yeah, we got to talk about it next week. So well, we gotta, I I we gotta, have we, to go we, to the we, bathroom. So please hurry.
0: Um, do you you want to pause and go to the bathroom? No, 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 no. we're good. Okay. Um, Greg, Greg and Vanessa, what is the best movie for when you want a self-aware scare?
1: I'm gonna have to say it's, it might be funny games.
0: Vanessa? (sighs)
3: Skip me, I, I need to... It's between this and Cabin in the Woods. Okay. I, it's I also it's
1: pick, close. I, also,
3: I yeah.
0: also pick Funny Games. This is one of the rare times where I don't go with my own pick. I'm going with Funny Games.
1: There we go. Yeah,
3: I, I think... Yeah, I, I think the the most unsettled I felt was with Funny Games. Yeah. like, And it, the awareness that it had throughout the entire thing like, mm-hmm. took me by surprise in a way that Cabin in the Woods did not. While I love Cabin in the Woods. Yep.
0: Bada boom, but a Bada bang! What are we doing next week, gang? What's What's up next? What's on the docket?
1: Well, next week, I don't have a pick for it yet, but you sure do. Uh, do next I? week, we'll be releasing on October 1st, the official, official, unofficial, but seriously official start of spooky season. Uh, we'll be doing movies for when you're having a monster mash. Denny Ooh. has selected Frankenstein, nineteen the uh, 1933 film. And I will pick something later. <laughs> I don't. Could, I can don't I know yet. A
0: third? I was gonna leave this up to the audience, and then I was gonna let Vanessa make a pick. And then I thought of something I know Vanessa wants to watch that fits the theme: the Monster Squad.
3: That's what I was gonna say. You were gonna, so pick, yeah, the Squad? gonna pick the Monster okay. Squad. Okay.
2: Can I Vanessa's
0: th- pick be the Monster Squad? Sure. Uh, I think
1: She's someone. I think someone picked that on on Facebook also, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, I
0: think I think it 's kind of one of those that we need to do, kind of like cabin in the woods.
1: Copy that hell yeah man, so we 've got to i will i'll post i 'll post these things later, uh of course, our social medias you 'll find us by looking up movies for win on Facebook and following us on Twitter at movies for win, so you can see all these pics and watch these movies ahead of time instead of hearing us yell at you to not even watch trailers so <laughs> There you go. By all means.
0: Greg, get out your golf clubs and tee me up. You know what it's time for. Damn it. That
1: was was what I was going to do. Damn it. Denny, look into the camera and give me a catchphrase.
0: For Greg Work, the I've got to pee with my third leg work Johnson.
1: I don't like that.
0: And (laughs) Vanessa Bobessa Taylor. I'm Denny the Talent Taylor, and this has been... Movies for win? We already told you when. <laughs> See you next week. Noise core. Double bass. Double bass.